0: Preview, and uh, tonight we're previewing two tracks, Road America and Irwindale Speedway. Joining me for tonight's show is our co-host, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay.
1: Thank you, Sharon. I know uh, you got to be excited. I'm sure Sal super excited. We get to see the Arkham and Ards West Series back in action for race number three on their season.
0: Yes indeed <laughs> so uh, definitely excited about that uh, and speaking of that we're going to take the first half hour we'll give a few updates from the Arca Menard series and the E series they are not racing this weekend uh, and so we'll update you on what's going on next for them and then we will preview the Arca West series at Irwindale Speedway this weekend uh At the top of the hour, we will update uh, on the NASCAR Truck Series. They are also not racing this weekend, uh, so we'll give you all the details there. And then we'll get into our NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Cup Series, both racing at Road America this weekend. 10 o'clock is our NASCAR Hot Topic sound off with our Fanfare Racing crew, and it sounds like we've got a full house tonight.
2: Not just a full house,
1: but maybe one of the hottest topics we've seen in a long time, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, big, big news uh, coming up this week, and uh, I'm sure we'll have uh, plenty to talk about during that 10 o'clock half hour, so be sure to stay tuned for our Hot Topic Sound Off. Okay, let's go ahead and get into... The uh, Arca East and the Arca Menard series, which they are not racing this weekend, Jay. Uh, the Arca Menard series uh, will be racing next weekend, July the 10th at 10 p.m. Eastern Time at Elko Speedway, the Menards 250, and that will be televised on MAP TV. Keep in mind that's also a Succi Showdown event. Uh, so, two championships being raced for in the same race.
1: Well, and we know what the combination events like that can garner when it comes to the driver entry list as well as the points. into, like you mentioned, two different points uh, battles going on there with the Sioux Chief Showdown as well as the main Arkham Menards Series. So, Definitely an interesting race. If you're a fan of short track racing, Elbow Speedway certainly delivers on that.
0: Absolutely. And if we look at the Arkham Menard Series point standings right now, uh, Corey Heim is at the top, but only by three points over Ty Kids. So that is the main competition there uh, in the Arkham Menard Series. With Dad Moffat, Nick Sanchez and Drew Dollar rounding out the top five there. Uh do you have the uh standings for the Sioux Chief Showdown, Jay?
1: All right, let me see if I can pull those up. Uh, I believe they list them separate. oh had them for a second. Yes, they list it separately. On the South Chief Showdown, two events in the book so far. No surprise, it is Ty Gibbs and his leading mirror. But following him, it's Nick Sanchez and Thad Moffat in a tie, Corey Heim third, and Brad Smith in fifth, ranging from 86 points down to 61. It's four of those top five, uh, everyone but Brad Smith having two top tens in the two events so far. So, again, a lot of changes could shake that up. The top four uh, with uh, two top tens. Well, it's 17 points making up, I'm sorry, 7 points uh, making up the difference there. So, again, that point system, a little bit different, makes it all that more interesting, but uh, it's tough to beat somebody that keeps winning like Ty Gibbs.
0: Hey, that is the truth. So, a lot for fans to look forward to there. Now, on July 24th, a couple weeks later, uh, the Arca Menards Series, along with the Arca East, will be racing at, Iowa Speedway, the Shore Lunch 150 at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. And that, too, will be televised on MAV-TV. So uh, another one to mark your calendars for. Iowa always puts on a good race.
1: Yeah, you mentioned it there again. Another great facility. We know what uh, even this event then holds for that Speedway as as they uh, lost their Xfinity Series race. Um, so to have the combination event between the Arkham andards Arkham and Ard's, series, series uh, certainly a, a big big coup for them uh, throughout the year.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, and uh, uh, again, if we take a look at the series point standings, let's see if I can pull it up here. Oops. Jay, do you have it up?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, same story here, a different driver, but same story. Five races in, Sammy Smith winning three of those, five top fives uh, in all of those. So he's got a point lead over Mason Diaz, Joey East, Max Gutierrez, and Daniel Dye rounding out the top five. Uh, the battle is really from second on back, but that can change. I believe we got three or four more races here for the East Series. But they are really not only going to have to beat uh, Sammy Smith, but he's going to have to have at least one bad bad luck night uh, for anybody to really get back in the points championship.
0: That is true. Uh, And, uh, again, this is going to be fun to watch five races in. And uh, uh, we've got a lot to look forward to in this series as well. Uh, Sammy Smith has been dominating, but a lot can happen in the next several races, so keep your eyes on what happens here. Okay, that brings us to whoops, the Arkham and Art Series West. And I just <laughs> so they are racing this weekend at Irwindale Speedway. And uh, as you mentioned, Sal's got to be happy about that. Uh, Southern California Racing is some of the best racing you'll see. A few weeks after typing on Sonoma Raceway in Northern California, the Arkham and 2s West is now headed to South Southern California. Saturday night's Napa Auto Parts 150, presented by the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame, marks the series first of two visits this season to Irwindale Speedway. The half-mile paved oval is located about 20 miles east of downtown Los Angeles. Complete with incredible views of the nearby mountains, Irwindale Speedway features variable banking in the corners and is sure to produce another exciting short track race in the West Series. Saturday, Napa Auto Parts 150 at Irwindale has sold out their tickets. So the race will be shown live on NBC's Sports Gold Track Pass, and a replay of the event will air on NBC Sports Network on Thursday, July 8th, starting at 4 p.m. Now, the race actually is Saturday, July the 3rd, at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, it will be live streamed on Track Pass, uh, part of NBC Sports Gold Package. Uh, radio is also available at autoracing.com It's a half-mile paved oval. They'll be racing 150 laps to cover a distance of 75 miles. So the garage opens at 1230, practicing qualifying at 330, and the race again at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And, uh, again, we've got a lot to look forward to. Uh, there's quite a few drivers that will be racing. And I'm so glad to hear it's sold
1: out. Yeah, that's what I was going to hit. Before we get into some of the things to watch for, the fact that even in California, I know they've been one of the later ones to open things back up, but to have fans back at the, at the uh, stadium, at the track, uh, all the events, and it being sold out is a huge thing. So I'm so happy for that. Now we mentioned this with the uh, Ty Gibbs wing. Uh, he's won the 2021 Arkham Menard Series West Opener, which is a combination of race event with the Arkham Menard Series, uh, back in March at Phoenix Raceway. NASCAR Cup Series regular Chase Briscoe won round two, which Sharon mentioned, at Sonoma earlier in June. That means Saturday's race right, Irwindale is sure to produce a first-time winner this season as neither Gibbs nor Briscoe is entered. We'll take a look at the point standings here uh, in a little bit. But the field for the Napa Auto Parts 150 features all of those West Series regulars, including Trevor Huddleston, driver of the number six Sunrise Ford, Lucas Oil Cost Development Terra Clean Ford, and will race at the track owned and operated by his father, Tim.
0: A track champion at Irwindale, Irwindale in the late model division, Trevor Huddleston has a win or two. <laughs> a win, and two top fives in three West Series starts at his home facility. He finished second to Jesse Love when the series visited Irwindale just last season. Now, Huddleston's Sunrise Ford Racing teammate Saturday night is going to be Jake Drew. He'll be in the number nine Sunrise Ford Lucas Oil Uh, machine love the defending arkham menard series west champion will run the 16 napa auto parts toyota one of three bill McAnally racing cars in the field at irwindale cole moore the other full-time bmr driver in the west series will be in the number 99 napa power premium plus toyota the third BMR entry at Irwindale is a driver making her debut in the arts platform. That's a Amber Balkan. and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. She's a third-generation driver from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, and she'll be running the number 19 Icon Technologies Limited Toyota. So uh, very exciting to have someone making their debut. But there's another driver making the debut at Irwindale.
1: Coincidentally, another Amber. uh, You mentioned that, another (laughs) driver making her Arca Menards racing debut at Irwindale with that same first name, and that'll be Amber Slagle. The late model racer will drive the number 17 MMI racing Chevrolet a couple days before her 25th birthday. Now, Todd Souza, the West Series points leader after two of nine events, Will again run his own number 13 Chevro- Central Coast Cabinets Toyota at Irwindale, as will the second place driver standing in the standings, PJ Pedronicelli, and his father Paul in their number 33 Select Mobile Bottles Toyota and the number 31 Pedronicelli Model Mobile Bottling, uh, mobile bottling Chevrolet, uh, respectively. PJ in the number 33. Uh, Dad Paul in the number 31. And also back in action at uh Race is Australia native Bridges Bur- Bridget Burgess in the number 88 HMH Construction Chevrolet.
0: Okay, so... Uh... Again, a lot to look forward to. If we look at the Crew Chief handout for this week, the starting field for the Napa Auto 2050 is limited to 24 plus provisional positions. So this event will run under the 2021 Arkham and Art Series West rules, procedures, regulations, and specifications. Starting position will be set by each car's fasted recorded lap in practice slash qualifying session. Uh, the break Pitting procedure: uh, Break at or near the conclusion of lap 75. No adding or moving tires to or from the pit box after the race has started. All cars will be required to make at least one pit stop prior to the last 10 laps of the race. Now, the maximum tire allotment available for this event uh, is 10. Per the ARCA rulebook, the maximum number of tires allowed in the pit for use. In the race is two. So that includes uh, tires that they use during their practice and qualifying and so forth. So, uh, again, uh, this is going to be an exciting race. Because there's a lot of the yet to be decided. What's that? There's a lot yet to be decided with only two races uh, so far for this series.
1: Oh, mo- most certainly. Uh, the one thing I was thinking about as you we were reading through that uh, on the crew chief handout, when they talk about the Arkham and East series and, the, and West, the way they have their pit procedures and races really does make for some interesting, I think good driver development um, on tire management. Uh, I know we're talking about short track mm-hmm. races and some, some short races, but tire management really does come into play. And I've seen that from drivers like Todd Gill and Harrison Burton. I think of as two of the most that we've seen from the West and East series, as they come up, oh, really understanding and handling tire uh, management. I was always so impressed with those two when it came to that.
0: Yeah, t- truly so. Uh, now, I do want to go through the entry list. Let's do what we normally do, which is from the bottom up, two by two.
1: All right. I'll start with the number zero 08, Josh Fanopoulos, out of Boise, Ard- uh, Boise Idaho. Uh, cart idaho as a sponsor mike holler in the own machine we do not have the crew chief announced as of yet then we got the number 99 mentioned him bill mcannally driver in the cole moore out of orange Glaive, california napa power premium plus toyota mario isola as the crew chief
0: okay uh, this is kind of interesting. Sarah Burgess is listed as the crew chief and owner for Bridget Burgess, Burgess from Tuelli, Utah. She'll be in the number 88 HMH Construction Chevrolet. Then there's Nick Joannidis in the number 77, Northridge, California. He's from Northridge, California. He'll be driving the Jan Malin's Everlast Wallace Sign Toyota. Uh, with Joe Nava as his owner and Dave McKenzie as his crew chief.
1: Now, we've heard Joey East name mentioned several times, drives the number 54, Mike Naki owned Ford. Naki will also be the crew chief for the number AG, or for the AG Center 59. Joey East coming out of Madero, California. And then out of Arlington, Texas, Dean Thompson uh, in a Ford owned by Tim Huddleston, Travis Thurkettle will be the crew chief for that Thompson Pipe Group-sponsored machine.
0: All right. In the number 42, it is not announced who's going to be in that uh, vehicle this weekend. It's the MMI Toyota uh, with Bruce Cook as the owner and Evan Bertone as the crew chief. In the number 38, here Hiroyuki Ueno from Osaka, Japan, uh is gonna be in that uh car that is owned by Mark Holleran. Uh and Mike will also be the crew chief. Yeah.
1: Well I get to talk to him uh, talk about him a second time in the thirty three. That'll be PJ Pedrinacilli out of Sonoma, California. It's
0: Sella Select
1: Mob say that again?
0: Pedron. Pedron Pedron.
1: Okay, Pedroncelli. Uh select mobile bottlers on that Toyota. Cell phone, Ty Joyner as the crew chief. Father Paul Pedron uh, same hometown of Sonoma. Pedron mobile bottling on the Chevrolet. That's odd that one has a Toyota, one has a Chevrolet. But uh, Paul owning that one, the number 31, and Rod Neeland as the crew chief
0: driving the number 27 from phoenix arizona is bobby hillis uh, the first impression press chevrolet uh again that car is owned by him and his crew chief is Ed ash and the number 19 is amber bow i'm not sure how to pronounce this one bow came uh, from canyon lake california she'll be driving the icon technologies limited toyota uh, again, this is a Bill McAnally racing car with John Camilleri as the crew chief.
1: And I'll back that up with the other Amber. In that 17 MMI racing Chevrolet, Steve mcgowan owns, John Samuel's crew chief. She comes from Sylvan Lake, Michigan. Uh, uh, nice to see a Michigan native there running out in California. They're going to have to contend, though, with Redwood City, California's Jesse Love driving that Bill McAnally MAP Auto Parts Toyota. Travis Sharp is the crew chief on that machine.
0: Okay, number one in the series, Point Standings, driving the number 13 is Todd Souza from Aromas, California. Central Coast Cabinets Toyota. Kelly Souza is the owner, and Michael Munoz is the crew chief. Jeff (laughs) Jeff Schrader, is the crew chief for the Bob Groom Cotty Sunrise Ford, number nine for Jake Drew from Fullerton, California.
1: Now we have a cell phone number eight of John Borneman as another entry, Ramona, California driver with BTI as the sponsor of that Ford, crew chief not announced. And then another Japanese driver. We've heard him several times, Takuma Koga, coming out of Nagoya, Japan. He'll be in the laundry-sponsored Toyota, owned and crew chief by Jerry Pitts.
0: Okay, and our last driver is the driver of the number six, Trevor Hodgson from Agora Hills, California. He'll be in that Sunrise Ford Lucas Oil Haas Development Terra Clean Ford. Again, owner Bob Buncati. His crew chief is Bill Sedgwick. So there you have it, all of the drivers that will be competing in this particular race. Let's cover the points reports now, uh, Jay.
1: All right, and this is going to take a shake up, uh, without a doubt. We got nineteen drivers entered for this event, uh, here at Irwindale, so could be a huge shift in points. You mentioned Todd Souza as the points leader, one top five, two top tens in the two starts, but it's a point, a point lead over Paul Pregent Pedrin uh, Selle, Jr., Pedrin <laughs> uh also has one top five, only one top ten. No, puts him one point back. Third is Cole Moore, three points back. Fourth, Dean Thompson is eight points back. And Trevor Huddleston, nine points back. Uh, that's a tight, tight top five there. And I know we got a little bit of time, so if we want to run through six through ten there,
0: Okay, let me take a look at six through ten. Uh, number six is Brad Smith. Uh, then we have Sam Mayer, Mike Basham. Uh, Dad no, Moffitt, I, think Ken... se- I think you moved to another.
1: I think you moved to
2: another series.
0: I'm on the wrong page here. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. Okay, I want the West. Let's see if it gives me the West system. Okay, now I have the West. I apologize for that. Jake Drew is in sixth place, followed by Jesse Love, Bridget Burgess, Bobby Hillis Jr., and Takuma Koga. I'm having my own problem uh, talking tonight. Okay, so between top ten and number one is 21 points. And Bobby Hillis Jr. and Takuma Koga are both tied at 21 points. So this is going to be a very tight
1: competition. It certainly is. And when you look back at 11th and 12th, the other two drivers that have made both starts in the West series, Tony Toast and Joey East, you're talking another point to five points back at 23 points back, or I'm sorry, 22 and 23 points back, one point each. Uh, Those top 12 made all starts. Tony Toast not on the entry list, so it will drop down to only 11. But 11 drivers uh, making all the starts so far entered into this weekend's race at Irwindale Speedway. Again, 19 drivers on the entry list could be a huge shakeup there uh, for the West Series here.
0: Okay, I've got a dog barking, so go on to the next.
1: All right, somebody, somebody definitely excited there. That's good to hear. Even, even the dogs are excited about the uh, West Series race here at Irwindale Speedway. Again, that'll be Saturday night, the Napa Parks 150 at Irwindale Speedway. And I think we covered everything here on the West Series, so are we ready to move on to the main Arkham and Args? I'm sorry, uh, the Truck Series.
0: Jay, is it 9 o'clock yet? No, it's not quite. Uh, coming up Why do you about give an update on the uh, Fan for Racing while okay, I can take do care that. Of I can do that. Okay.
1: Yep, I can do that real quick. Here before we move on to the truck series, our Fan for Racing, Fan for Racing uh, Fantasy Group, certainly providing some excitement of its own on the point standings. As I bring those up on the truck series, actually. Find them on another sheet I had them saved under. I know I had them saved. Here we go. On the truck series following this past weekend, Andy leads the truck series at 54 points, one point over Sharon at 53, who's one point over me at 52. Mike's at 48, Tommy at 46, Owen at 40, Sam 35, and James 32. So we've got a 22-point gap from first to eighth there. The Xfinity Series, Andy once again has a one-point lead. This time it's over Mike in second at 65. Sam back at 60. James at 57. I'm at 56. Owen at 50. Tommy at 46. And Sharon at 45. So there it's a 21-point gap top to bottom. And on the cup side... There, it's a big point lead, a whopping four points. I have 100 points even. Sam's at 96. Mike one back at 95. Then Owen at 85. Sharon at 83. James at 80. Tommy at 75. Andy at 39. He's sticking with one driver all year, but uh, dedicated to the cause. So 25 points from first to seventh. Andy a little bit further back. And the overall how close those points tolls were per series, that leads to an overall tight battle. Me and Mike are tied at 208, Sam's at 191, only 17 points back, Sharon at 181, Owen at 175, James at 169, Tommy 167, and Andy at 159. We are getting ready to start doing double points in the truck series here after two more weeks as they will start their playoffs. And we bump our points up to double points. So 16, I'm sorry, I think I said 14. uh, This year with eight players, it'll be 16 per playoff race in each series. So a lot of points will be made up here once we hit the playoffs. So nobody is uh, mathematically out of it yet.
0: Yes, indeed. A lot can change during the playoffs uh, with our fan racing fantasy game. So uh, thank you for doing that, Jay. I really appreciate it. And uh, we will. Uh, go ahead and get into the NASCAR Camping World Little Truck Series. They, again, are not racing this weekend. Uh, their next race is going to be the Corn Belt 150 presented by Premier Chevy dealers at Knoxville Raceway. Super excited about that. That race is Friday, July the 9th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Fox Sports 1 will carry the coverage and their pre-race coverage starts at 8 p.m. Eastern Time with radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 75 miles over 150 laps Uh, The first stage ends on lap 40, the second stage on lap 90, so that's a 50-lap stage, and then the final stage ends on lap 150, making that a 60-lap stage.
1: Well, certainly going to be interesting as they they enter into a new dirt venue. Another big thing to watch, though, the playoff bubble. Mentioned this, we only got two more chances uh, remaining to win and get into the playoffs. For the Camping World Truck Series regular season, it's time to start talking about clinch scenarios and identify the drivers locked in and those still fighting to get into the 2021 playoffs. Now, already having clinched, uh, the following five drivers have that spot secure in the 10-driver postseason NASCAR Camping World Truck Series field. And that's John Hunter Nemechek, Ben Rhodes, Austin Hill, Todd Gillen, and Sheldon Creed. Hill is the first driver to clinch a spot solely on points. The other four have already won this season. Austin Hill is locked in, based on points already. Now, other uh, scenarios that can clinch on points: if there's a new winner, the following drivers could clinch by being 56 points above the fifth place win, or the fifth winless driver in the standings. Those include Zane Smith, who would clinch with 18 points. This week or next weekend, sorry, Matt Crafton needs 53 points. Stuart Friesen can only clinch with a little bit of help. And if there's a repeat, that was if there was a new winner. If there's a repeat winner, uh, the drivers that could clinch by being 56 points above, uh, and they would also clinch if there's new winner among drivers that are already above that cut line. So that would put Zane Smith. He would uh, clinch if, regardless of finish. Matt Crafton would clinch with 33 points. And Stuart Friesen, again, can only clinch with a little bit of help, uh, help, as well as Carson Hosevar. Now, the following drivers can clinch on their win alone. That would be Zane Smith, Matt Crafton, Stuart Friesen, Carson Hosevar, Chandler Smith, Johnny Sauter, Tyler Ankrum, Austin Wayne Self, Derek Krause, and Ryan Truix. The following drivers, they'd clinch with a win and clinching a top 20 position. Again, for the truck series, you've got to be in the top 20 with the win in order to clinch via that win. Those include uh, Haley Deegan. She would clinch with uh, the win and 41 points above 20th place. Tanner Gray, 59 points. And Chase Purdy, he would need some help as well there. Now, additionally... John Hunter Nemechek could clinch the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series regular season championship with 34 points, or being 60 points above the second-place driver in the standings following Knoxville.
0: Wow, it's going to be interesting as uh, this continues to wind down. I'm looking forward to that Knoxville race. Uh, and keep let's talking about that. There are two vastly different tracks left to close out the Camping World Truck Series regular season. When it comes to the last two tracks on the schedule, the difference between the two couldn't be bigger. Uh, next weekend, the series, as we mentioned, heads to Knoxville, Iowa for their Truck Series debut at Knoxville Raceway in the Corn Belt one Fit, presented by Premier Chevy Dealers. Uh, and so the Speedway is a half-mile dirt track with eight degrees of banking in the turns. Now, the track is largely known for its sprint car races and will be unlike any other dirt track the series has ever competed on. So that's going to make it interesting by itself. Then, nearly a month later, following the Olympic break, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series will head north to Watkins Glen International, located just outside Watkins Glen, uh, and that's in New York for the race on August the 7th at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1 MRN and Sirius XM Radio. To wrap up the regular season, the competitors will be tasked with navigating multi-elevational seven-turn road course. It will be the sixth time the truck series has competed at the 2.45-mile course, and the first time in 20 years because their last race was on June 24th of 2000. So uh, that should make that race uh, pretty interesting as well.
1: Yeah, some huge changes for all three of the top series here when they're talk about schedule this year, and it has made it that yes. much more interesting. Now, Kyle Busch Motorsports and John Henry Nemechek, they're setting up for a strong run in the postseason. Now, one thing that has been made very clear this season in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, and that's Kyle Busch Motorsports has brought John Hunter Nemechek back to the series for wins. And sadly enough for the competition, they are doing just that. Winning uh, last weekend at Pocono Raceway, John Hunter Nemechek scored his NASCAR Camping World Truck Series season-leading fifth victory of 2021, which is a new single-season career high for Nemechek. In total. Nemechek has amassed those five wins at Las Vegas, Richmond, Charlotte, Texas, and Pocono. He's got a total of eight top fives and 11 top tens in 12 starts. Nemechek also leads the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver standings uh, following Pocono by 86 points over second place Ben Rhodes. With only those two starts race, uh, two races left, Nemechek looks poised to walk up the regular season championship as well, which will grant him an additional 15 playoff points to add to his already series-leading 34 playoff points, bringing it to a total of 49 to start the postseason if he doesn't collect any more at Knoxville or Watkins Glen. I mentioned Nemechek can clinch that regular season championship with 34 points or being 60 points above the second-place driver in the standings following Knoxville. When we look back since the inception of the playoffs in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, which came back in 2016, no playoff driver has accumulated more than 42 playoff points heading into the postseason. Nemechek is on pass to surpass that record this season. Now, as the 2016 playoffs began with the number one seed, William Byron, entering that postseason with 15 playoff points. The 2017 playoffs began Their number-one seed Christopher Bell entered the postseason with 40. In 2018, it was number-one seed Johnny Sauter. He's the one that entered with the record of 42 points. The 2019 playoffs, that began with number-one seed Brett Moffitt entering the season with 22. And the 2020 began with number-one seed Sheldon Creed entering the postseason with 26 playoff points. Also working in Nemechek's favor is four of the five number one seeds entering the playoffs earned a spot in their respective season's championship four rounds, with the lone exception, I hated to bring this up, the lone exception being being William Byron. But of those five number one seeds, only two took home the series title, Christopher Bell in 2017 and last season's champion Sheldon Creed. And That was another factor I was kind of looking at. Uh, Good confidence builder, but that doesn't mean you can take the playoffs off uh, for sure.
0: That is the truth. Uh, And, you know, these guys are are pretty serious. They want to be as high up in those point standings as they can be. So it's not just about that number one seed. It's about bettering their position for when the playoffs begin. So uh, a lot of drivers will be highly competitive uh, during that race. Up next, though, we're going to give a few more details here about Knoxville Raceway and the Camping World Truck Series debut at that track in just two weeks. Actually, it's uh, less than two weeks now. The NASCAR Camping World Truck Series will be taking this Independence Day weekend off, but will be returning to action following the weekend at the Corn Belt 150 at Knoxville Raceway in Knoxville, Iowa. Again, that's Friday, July the 9th, and uh, in the series debut at the famously historic dirt track. Now, Knoxville Raceway is a half-mile dirt oval with eight degrees of banking in the four turns. The width of the track varies from 60 to 80 feet, and the surface is comprised of black Iowa soil. Over the years, Knoxville Raceway has been aptly nicknamed the Sprint Car Capital of the World. The track was constructed in the 1800s on the Marion County Fairgrounds and was originally a horse racing track. So, Knoxville Raceway will be the second dirt track on the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series schedule that they will compete on this year. Remember, uh, they were raced on Bristol dirt this year, and uh, so now they'll be racing at Knoxville raceway on dirt. Much like that weekend in Bristol, the series will once again compete in a special format that will include qualifying races. Uh, that's always fun. So details on the rules and procedures will be included in next week's notes. So uh, you'll want to definitely uh, check with us next week when we can give you more details on what that format is. The tentative weekend schedule for the Camping World Truck Series at Knoxville Raceway uh, includes Thursday, July the 8th. That's when they'll do the random qualifying draw at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And then the final Camping World Truck Series practice will be from 7.05 until 8.25. 8 P.M. Eastern Time on Friday, they have their first qualifying race at 7 p.m., the second qualifying race at 7:15, the third qualifying race at 7:30, and the fourth at 7:45. The NASCAR Camping World Truck Series will race their main event at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday, July the 9th. So. Uh, this is going to be cool. The first time at Knoxville Raceway for the Camping World Truck Series. And uh, I think a lot of fans have been looking forward to this, day. Yeah,
1: you've got to hand it to NASCAR for this on, on several levels. Uh, listening to the fans, they wanted to see some dirt track racing. We've seen two of those now with Bristol and uh, Knoxville coming up. I know that it was sad to see him leave Eldora. When that announcement was first made, kind of upsetting, but uh, I think Knoxville is a great venue, as was Bristol, which was very unique. But then also incorporating the qualifying races. You talk about a typical dirt track layout uh, for that, the qualifying races followed by the main event. And NASCAR did a great job of incorporating that with also then how NASCAR runs their events and making it kind of a mixture. I think they did a great job with that. And the last thing I wanted to mention there, Iowa Speedway being in the Midwest. uh, We talk about Road America coming up for the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series, the trucks being in Knoxville, Iowa. That Midwest region doesn't get to see a whole lot of uh, NASCAR's top three series, and I think they've done a good job of moving into that area and and making things work in the Midwest.
0: Without a doubt. They really have done a great job. Now, I want to make sure we cover the points reports here, too, uh, for the truck series, Jay, I'll go ahead and get it started, and then I'll let you kind of uh, take over the second half here. Uh, John Hunter Niemicek currently leads their series point standings. We mentioned the 34 playoff points that he currently has. That's for his five race wins and his nine stage wins. Uh, when he secures that championship is when they add on their 15 bonus playoff points, so uh, he's going to have a huge uh, playoff balance when the playoffs begin. Uh, then in second place, we mentioned Ben Rhodes in the number 99 car uh, truck. is uh, He's got the two race wins. He's got one stage win for 11 playoff points. Austin Hill locked in, even though he doesn't have a win, he'll be in that number 16 truck Uh, and uh, he's 106 points back. In fourth place is Zane Smith, uh, 147 points back, no wins, but he does have three stage wins for three playoff points. And then Todd Gilliland in fifth place, driving the number 38, uh, is 167 points back. He has one race win, two stage wins for a total of seven playoff points. So you want to take the next five, Jake?
1: Well, then we have the defending champion, Sheldon Creed. He does have uh, one race win, one playoff point, so he's got six total. Matt Crafton, again, having a consistent year, uh, if you will, but doesn't have any victories or playoff points, sitting seventh in points. Now, I'm reading on the chart as it is now. Eighth place is Grant Enfinger, does have one playoff point built up, but is ineligible if he has missed a race. So that goes down the line, then to uh, Stuart Friesen. Uh, no wins or playoff points, Ninth in points, but we'll be 8th overall uh, when Grant Infinger gets pulled out at 225 back. 10th is Carson Horsevar as a rookie, as well as Chandler Smith. Carson in 10th is sitting at 240 points back. Chandler Smith, the one slight advantage, sitting in 11th, which would be the cut line. 261 points back uh, Is that he does have one playoff Point built up via stage Win Behind oh, him
0: okay. got
1: Johnny Sauter. Johnny Sauter is the next Closest and he is 31 points back uh, From the cut line so they're On back especially getting down To two races uh, be Really tough to point their way in at this point It's not impossible but that what ne- Needing to win is getting uh, Bigger and bigger
0: That's right, and and that includes uh, several drivers here. We might as well go down to the top 15. Johnny Sauter in 12th, Tyler Ankrum in 13th, Austin Wayne South in 14th place, and Derek Krause in that 15th spot. So it's only the top 10, Chandler Smith being that 10th person uh, that can make it into the playoffs uh, without a win. Uh, and uh, these other guys that are below that cut line, they're not going to get in unless they get a win. And then when that happens, if that happens, they're going to knock out uh, the two rookies.
1: And we mentioned there, uh, those those four, uh, 16th on back when we mentioned earlier, the win is good and would lock them in as long as they maintain them also in the top 20. And you got to look at that and where they are as far as the top 20 in points. Should be pretty secure. We've chased Purdy being the last in 19th. Uh, Raphael Lasard and Christian Eckes uh, behind them. Uh, Lasard currently not running uh, and Christian Eckes has limited starts. So pretty secure, but you never know what can happen again. Two races, that shouldn't be an issue if they get the win that should give them enough to lock in. But until that final race, you don't know.
0: Yeah, keep in mind that Haley Deacon comes from a dirt background. And even though she's 17th in points right now, she could surprise a lot of people with a really good finish at Knoxville race Light, uh, in a couple of weeks here in the, in the next week. So uh, you're absolutely right. Nobody's secure at this point. There's uh, any number of things that can happen.
1: Well, and just to add uh, one of Sharon's side dishes there, if you will, keep in mind, she also just ran at Knoxville uh, in mm-hmm. the series and finished second to Tony Stewart. So, definitely somebody to keep your eye on as she has recent experience on that track.
0: That's right. So, that's all uh, not good news for her competition and uh, could really shake up the uh, championship point standings uh, heading into the final race of the season.
1: And that's that's what makes it exciting.
0: It is indeed. Okay, we're a little ahead of schedule, but let's go ahead and get into the NASCAR Xfinity Series. They're racing the Henry One Hundred and Eighty at Road America this Saturday, July the third. Uh, the race should start sometime around 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Pre-race coverage will start at 2 p.m. on NBC and MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 182.16 miles over 45 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 10. Stage 2 on lap 20, making both of those stages 10-lap uh, events. And then the stage ends on the last lap lap 45, making that a 25-lap segment. So, uh, again, uh, Road America always uh, brings a lot of excitement to the Cup series, or to the extended series point standings as well.
1: Well, and somebody else that's going to bring something definitely interesting is Kaz Grala running for Jordan Anderson Racing. Now, Grala is back this weekend, a run at Road America for the Jordan Anderson Racing in the number 31 Chevrolet. And Gralla, who's become somewhat of a road course ace in the last few years, will pilot that number 31 for the first time. He has 12 road course races to his name throughout all three NASCAR National Series.
2: <clears throat>
1: he holds an average finish of 12.25 with seven top tens uh, finishes and four top fives. His best finish of a runner up came earlier this season at Circuit of America in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. And Grala has made starts in the Cup Series and Truck Series this season, but it will be his first Xfinity start in 2021. In the number 31 Jordan Anderson racing machine, Total has earned four top 15s in the five starts, coming with Tyler Reddick, Josh Berry, and Jordan Anderson driving. Grala has 32 Xfinity Series starts with four top fives and nine top tens. Last season, Raba ran at the Road America Mixed Community Series driving for Richard Childers Racing and finished fourth.
0: Yeah, the, that's the kind of driver that could really shape things up as well. And also we've got Ryan Ellis competing in the number 78 for Jimmy, B.J. McLeod. Uh, Ryan Ellis is making his fourth start of the season at Road America for B.J. McLeod Motorsports. Ellis is behind the wheel of the number 78 and is sponsored by Rich Mar Flores. Now, Ellis has made three starts earlier this season. He has the best finish of 16th. That came at Darlington Raceway. And in five previous starts at Road America, Ellis has a best finish of 17th back in 2018 when he was also running for B.J. McLeod Motorsports.
1: Well, now, that's not the only news for B.J. McLeod Motorsports, as Harvick is in this weekend as well. The NASCAR Cup Series driver, Kevin Harvick, he'll be back in the Xfinity Series this weekend at Road America for B.J. McLeod Motorsports. A Harvick, who has never made a start at Road America in all NASCAR's top three national series, will pop number 99 Henry Repeating Arms Ford this weekend. Earlier this season at the inaugural race at Circuit of Americas, Harvick piloted the number five Ford for BJ McLeod. Harvick's made a total of 347 series starts uh, in the series. He's won a total of 47 Xfinity Series races, has 186 top fives and 260 top tens to his name. At Coda, where Harvick started 12th, he finished 4th for the team. So another good uh, driver to have in in your uh, bank of drivers for B.J. McLeod.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, Let's talk about the Sonoka rookie standings. After making his 14th start of the season last weekend at Pocono Raceway, it's Josh Berry holding on to the lead in the NASCAR Xfinity Series rookie driver standings. And from Joe Gibbs Racing's Rising Star, Ty Gibbs, Gibbs. Barry is 26 points ahead of Gibbs after Pocono where Gibbs finished runner-up and Barry finished ninth. So Gibbs is entered to run this weekend at Road America, but Barry is currently not on tap to run as his half of the season with Junior Motorsports has come to an end. And now Sam Mayer is taking over the number eight Junior Motorsports Chevrolet. Now, Mayer made his first start of the season at Pocono the day after he turned 18, and he's officially got his first point in the rookie standings. So Josh Barrier currently leads. He has five awards and 348 points. Ty Gibsig also has five awards at 322 points, Then it's Ryan Bardas. Uh, four awards and 162 points. Ryan Vargas, by the way, will not be in this weekend as well. Uh, Jade Buford has 87 points and one award. And Sam Mayer posting his first points of the year with 19, uh, to bring up the, uh, the end here of the rookies for the, Extremity uh, Series.
1: All right, now we we talked about that. Joe Gibbs Racing uh, running that fifth entry uh, at Road America. As the entry list came out for this weekend's race, it's noted that Gibbs has added that additional entry to the Xfinity Series race on Saturday and will look to run a total of five cars. It will be Harrison Burton in the number 20, Brandon Jones in the number 19, and Daniel Hemrick in the number 18. They'll be joined this weekend by Kyle Busch, who is slated to run in the number 54 Toyota, which will be his final Xfinity Series start of the season. Now, the fifth entry, Sharon mentioned, will be the number 81 Toyota for Ty Gibbs, who's a grandson of Joe Gibbs. Originally, Gibbs was, run, was to run the number 54, but Bush has never competed at Road America, so he will use the opportunity to get more laps and practice at the track before the Cup Series race on Sunday. Now, Chris Gale, primary crew chief for the number 54, uh, will join Joe Gibbs in the number 81, whereas Mark McFarlane will be the crew chief for Bush in the number 54.
0: Okay. Uh, Let's uh, talk about the current scenarios for the NASDAQ Xfinity Series. They have 10 races left in their regular season, and it's time to take a look at their uh, the series playoff clinch scenarios heading into this weekend's race at Road America. Uh, now, a win gets you in, but the drivers still need to clench their spots on points by accumulating enough points that even with a win, they do not fall out of the top 30 and then become ineligible for the playoffs. So the drivers are already clinched. Uh, there's only two that have already clinched their spot in the 12 driver postseason field. That includes Austin Cindric and A.J. Allmendinger, the two drivers at the top of the points list. Now, the next group can clinch via points at Road America. Justin Algauer could clinch with 21 points. Algauer could clinch on wins if he can and there's a new winner. If there's a repeat winner, he would clinch on wins and clinch in a spot in the top 30. With another win, he would clinch a playoff spot on wins. So Jeff Burton would clinch a top 30 spot, could clinch a top 30 spot with 58 points with another win. Burton could also clinch a playoff spot on wins if he also clinches a top 30 spot. Clinching for regular season championship, Austin Sendrick cannot clinch the regular season championship this weekend uh, with his four wins and 680 points because the second-place driver, A.J. Allmendinger, has 579 and can still reach 1,179 points. So uh, no clenching for Austin Sendrick this weekend. Okay. Oops, okay.
1: Yep, sorry, I was getting it off mute there. Um, Some facts and numbers to look at for Road America. And get my sheet back up there. Okay. Saturday's Henry 180, it'll be the 12th running of a NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Road America. There's been six different pole winners and 11 different race winners. Only three of the 11 races have been won from the pole position, which includes the inaugural race back in 2010, which was won by Carl Edwards. And four, of the 11 victory, uh, four of the 11 victors are entered into this weekend. Most recently, it was Austin Sindrick who won the race in 2020 at the road course, and he'll be looking to go back-to-back and two in a row now after his win last weekend at Pocono Raceway. Sindrick's Road America win last season made him the youngest winner at 21 years, 11 months, in six days. The last race to be won from the pole was back in 2013, and that was done by A.J. Allmendinger, also marking his first career Xfinity Series victory. He'll once again take on the track this weekend for Colleg Racing. Jeremy Clements is the other active driver who got their first Xfinity Series win at Road America. Uh, His win came in 2017. Mentioned uh, Junior Motorsports, Justin Allgarth, he grabbed the win at Road America back in 2018. The veteran has made nine series starts at Road America and leads the series in top 10 finishes at the 4.048-mile track. In last season's Road America race, Almendinger finished second to Cindric, followed by Chase Briscoe, Kaz Gralla, Andy Lally, Noah Gregson, Ross Chastain, Preston Pardis, Ryan Sieg, and Michael Annette. There were seven cautions for 15 laps and 13 lead changes with a margin, victor, margin of victory at 1.318 seconds. Average speed was a total of 61.83 miles per hour. Magrala, Lally, and Pardis will be back this week competing at Road America, along with Amendinger, Sindrup, Gregson, Sieg, and Annette, who are all full-time in the Xfinity series. Of note, uh, Chris, Chris Wright, will be running for Sam Hunt Racing in the number 26 Toyota. And veteran road ace, Boris said, he'll be running for Hattori Racing Enterprises. And we mentioned a couple of Cup Series regulars, Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick, will also be competing this weekend, both for the first time at Road America. They'll look to use their experience in the Xfinity Series to help them for the Cup Series race come Sunday. Now we're going to slide over and look at the uh, Road America Xfinity Series different uh, winner streak, if that can continue.
0: Yeah, I'm here. Uh, I can take that. Okay, Okay. count them up. A total of 11 different NASCAR Xfinity Series drivers have visited Road America's Victory Lane in as many races. And in this weekend's Henry 180, uh, we could see an 11th. The top two different winners by track in the NASCAR Xfinity Series belong to Road America, 11 different winners. Uh, and then next closest, I guess, is Michigan with 10 different winners. Uh, okay, so the record for the most consecutive different winners at a single track is actually 23, and that was set at New Hampshire Motor Speedway between 1990 and the 2009 season. Road America currently holds the longest active Xfinity Series different winners streak at 11, dating back to the 2010 season. Three former Xfinity Series Road America winners are entered this weekend. They include Austin Sendrick, A.J. Allmendinger, Jeremy Clements, and Justin Algo. By my count, that's four, not three. Uh, so that's pretty interesting, too. Uh, taking a look at the history here for the different winners from 2010 to 2020, we'll start with 2010, Carl Edwards with Rosh Fenway Racing. In 11, it was Reed Sorensen for H. Scott Motorsports. In 2012, it was Neil Nelson P.K. Jr. for H. Scott Motorsports. I really miss those guys. <laughs> and then in 2013, A.J. Allmendinger with Team Penske was the winner. 2014, it was and gone with Richard Childress Racing. Another Richard, Richard Childress Racing driver, Paul Menard, won in 2015. And again, RCR driver Michael McDowell in 2016. That's, that's when uh, 2017 is when Jeremy Clements won for his race team. In 2018, it was Justin Agower for Junior Motorsports. In 19, it was Christopher Bell for Joe Gibbs Racing. And in 2020, it was Austin Sindrick for Team Penske. So uh, that's quite a streak going on there in, at Road America.
1: And we'll take a look at what, uh, what's up next with the left and right turns here at Road America. It's the 4th of July weekend. And it's going to be full of road course racing in, in Wisconsin The 4.4. 4.048, 14-turn road course spreads across 640 acres there in Elkhart Lake, uh, Wisconsin. You mentioned it's been home to 11 NASCAR Xfinity Series races. Now, this season, the Cup Series will head there as well. Uh, the Xfinity Series kicking off on Saturday afternoon with the 1, 8, Henry 180, 2.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. When we look back at last weekend, though, Pocono Raceway, Infinity Series saw Austin Sindrick holding off the hard-charging Ty Gibbs to his fourth victory of the season. Justin Agar was third, Noah Gregson fourth, and AJ Allmendinger rounding out the top five. There were six cautions for 21 laps and 11 lead changes, and Sindrick topped Gibbs crossing the finish line by .331 seconds. Now this weekend, the Xfinity Series will complete, compete in practice and qualifying at Road America, which will be the fourth time this season. Uh, all other races or lineups have been set by the metric qualifying due to the COVID-19 procedures uh, that were in place at the start of the 2021 season. The Xfinity Series first and only practice at Road America, that'll be on July 2nd, Friday at 4.05 p.m. Eastern and at NBC Sports Network and the qualifying session. Then we'll be on Saturday, July 3rd at 11.35 a.m. Eastern time uh, on NBCSN. Qualifying session will be Saturday, July 3rd at 11.35 a.m. Eastern, NBC Sports Network, beginning at 12 p.m. Eastern. I don't know why they're starting half hour late, but... Check your local listings for the times to get that coverage.
0: Okay. Uh, let's take a look at the series point standings here for Pocono Race uh, after Pocono Raceway and before the race at uh, Road America. Austin Sindra holds that series points lead. It's the top 12 drivers in this series that will go on to the playoffs. Uh, he's got the 27 playoff points because of four race wins and seven stage wins. Uh, second is A.J. Almendinger. We talked about that. He's 101 points back. He has two race wins with three stage wins. Uh, and that's 13 points. Daniel Hemrich in third has no wins, but he does have five stage wins giving him five stage points, uh, playoff points. Justin Algauer is fourth. Uh, he has the two wins, uh, with one stage win giving him 11 points. Then in fifth place, it's Harrison Burton uh, with no wins yet this season, but he does have two-stage wins for two points. Jeb Burton is in sixth place. He has the one-race win, and that gives him five-stage points. So that's the top half of the uh, playoff drivers. You want to go over the next half?
1: All right, you got Brandon Jones. He's got one-stage win for one playoff point. Eighth place would be Justin Haley, three stage wins for three playoff points. Noah Gregson, ninth, two stage wins for two playoff points. Tenth, eleventh, and twelfth, got a couple of zeros there, but they are in on points at this point. Mike Lynette and Jeremy Clements, and I take that back. Mike Snyder has one win for five stage or five playoff points, and he is on the cut line at this point at 366 points. Just outside then, Brandon Brown is at 357, so he's nine points out. As well as we mentioned Josh Berry, but he's only got 14 starts and not entered into this week, so he's not eligible. Riley Hurts the next one in fifth, 341 points, is 16 points behind Brown. And then Ryan Sieg, as we got to skip over Ty Gibbs. He is in the race, but again, not eligible as this is his ninth start of the year. Out of the sixteen races, so Ryan and landed Castle. The next ones at 311 and 269 points. Uh, they got quite the margin. They got a few more races to make up points, but we're again we're getting into that time uh, with races running out where a win is what they're going to need to secure their way into the championship
2: uh,
0: playoffs. Yes, indeed, and that's what we like to see: <laughs> our race wins. Okay, let's go ahead and get into the NASCAR Cup Series. They'll be racing the Jockey Made in America 250, presented by Quick Trip at Road America on Sunday, July the 4th. The time is 2.30 p.m. Eastern. NBC will have the pre-race coverage starting at 2 p.m., along with MRN and Sirius X10 NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing the distance of 250 miles, over 62 laps. The first stage ends on lap 14, the second stage ends on lap uh, 29, that's 15 laps, and then the final stage ends on the last lap, lap 62.
2: Well, we're going
1: to
0: start this off with a pair
1: of sports car stars, Tilly and every that are entered into this weekend. Street drivers that cut their teeth in the Info WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, Kyle Tilley and Brian Eversley, they'll be attempting to make a NASCAR Cup Series race this weekend at Road America. Now, this will be Kyle Tilley's second start in the series uh, this weekend. He'll be piloting the number 78 Lidfast Motorsports Ford with crew chief Frank Kerr. Tilly made his series debut earlier this season at Circuit Americas for Live Fast Motorsports. Started 39th, and finished 31st. Now Tilly is no stranger to Road America, as he has won IMSA Tech, one IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship start at the track. Restarted fourth and finished third in the Orca LMP207 for Era Motorsports last season. Ryan Eversley on the other hand, he'll be making or he'll be attempting to make his NASCAR Cup series debut at Road America. He'll be driving the number fifty three Rick Ware racing Chevrolet. it will also be Eversley's career track debut at Road America. So interesting spotlights to have on those two drivers there.
0: Yes indeed. And I look for them to have pretty good runs at Road America. Now Henrik Motorsports has been on a, an amazing winning pace. Uh, they're at the top of their game this season, already winning nine races in the first 19 events of the 2021 season. Henrik Motorsports in 2007 set the modern era record for the most wins by an organization in a single season with 18 victories. Until it was surpassed in 2019 when Joe Gibbs Racing scored 19. Cup Series victories in a single season. What is interesting about all of that is that in in the 2007 season, 19 races completed, Hendrick Motorsports had produced nine wins, just like this year, heading into the 20th race on the schedule at Road America. Now, Hendrick Motorsports is coming off a streak of six consecutive Cup Series wins, a record in the modern era that the organization has accomplished twice in 2007 and, of course, in this year. So with 17 races left this year and so many similarities to the 2007 season, it's going to be fascinating to see if the end of camp can make a run at the Joe Gibbs Racing single-season wins record. You know they got to be going for it, Jay.
1: Oh, most certainly, and uh, the way we've seen, if you talked about a streak of six six wins in a row, uh, that would knock out over half of what they need to set that record. So, yep. Now We mentioned a couple of the Cup Series drivers uh, running in the Xfinity Series. It goes both ways for pulling double duty at Road America. So we also have A.J. Almendinger, Austin Sindrick, and Josh Balicki and Justin Haley, so four out of the Xfinity Series. And then Kyle Van Harvick and Kyle Busch be competing in both the Xfinity Series race on Saturday, July 3rd, as well as the Cup Series race on July 4th at Road America. So six drivers doing double duty this weekend at Road America.
0: Okay, that'll make it fun as well. So NASCAR's most popular is up for the ESPN's best driver, SB. Now, last season, the NASCAR Cup Series champion, Chase Elliott, was nominated for the ESPN SB best driver for the first time in his six-year Cup Series career. Elliott, who was voted the NMPA's most popular driver for the third consecutive time this past season, drives the number nine Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports. Elliott finished the 2020 season with five wins, 15 top five finishes, and 22 top tens, finishing 96% of his laps attempted in 36 starts. The 25-year-old series champion could join the likes of Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., and Jimmy Johnson as NASCAR drivers who have taken home the hardware during the annual SB Awards show. Now, the 29th edition of the SB Awards will take place this year on Saturday, July the 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Fans can cast their votes for their favorite driver up until Friday, July 9th at 8 p.m. So looking ahead to this weekend at Road America, Elliot has made two NASCAR Xfinity Series starts at the track, posting his fourth place finish in both outings. So uh, if you want to take part in that uh, voting uh, for the best driver, uh, you want to go to ESPN.com slash SP slash story slash underscore slash page uh, voting driver slash dash 2021 dash vote dash best driver dot put dashes in between there vote. Best driver. So um, uh, hopefully, we'll be able to post a link to that, uh, and you'll be able to find that link probably over on uh, JSKEYS as well. But uh, you can vote, and uh, so it's something to look forward to.
1: All right, yeah, we'll see if we can find a link to that. I was trying to follow along with that. We'll see what we can do about providing a link. <laughs> yeah. Now, we do have a lone cup winner at Road America, and that's NASCAR Hall of Famer Tim Flock. And looking back at the one NASCAR Cup Series race held at Road America, it came in 1956. And that one name rises above the rest. That was the winner, NASCAR Hall of Famer Tim Flock. Flock was a two-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, and he was one of the sport's first dominant drivers. In 187 starts, Tim Flock had 39 victories, a total that still ranks 18th on the all-time wins list. Flock won his first series title in 1952. He was driving Ted Chester's Hudson Hornet and his second in 1955 driving Carl Kikoffer's Chrysler. Flock dominated the 1955 season, 18 wins, 32 top fives, and 18 pulls in the 39 races. The 18 wins stood as a season single victory record until Richard Petty surpassed it with 27 wins coming in 1967. His 18-win or 1955 season still to this date uh, ranks third most in the single season cup wins totals, which ties, tied uh, Richard Petty's 1970 season. In addition, Flock won NASCAR's only sports car race in 1955 he was driving a Mercedes-Benz 300 SL. The entire Flock family raced at times during NASCAR's formative years. In 1949, uh, brothers Bob and Fawny, as well as sister Ethel, joined Kim to become the only four siblings to drive in the same NASCAR Premier Series race. A Flock who died back on March... 31st, 1998, was named one of NASCAR's 50th, 50th, 50 greatest drivers uh, that same year, and he was enshrined into the NASCAR Hall of Fame in
0: 2014. Yeah, that's pretty cool info there. Okay, so let's talk about the clinch scenarios with just seven races left to make playoffs in the Cup Series. The race to the playoffs is certainly on and time is running short for drivers to clench their spot into the postseason playoffs. A win gets you in, but drivers must still clench their spot on points by accumulating enough points that even with a win they do not fall out of the top 30 and become ineligible for the playoffs. Now 11 drivers have already have already won and earned their spot in the playoffs. Four of the 11 winning drivers have already clinched their spot in the postseason on points as well. So those drivers that have already clinched uh, include Kyle Larson, Kyle Bush, Martin Truex Jr., and Alex Bowman. Uh, the next group of drivers uh, can clinch a win uh, on a win, Alone This weekend, Uh, that is uh, William Byron, Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, and Brad Keselowski. The, The following drivers could clinch a win and clinch a top 30 position. Christopher Bell could only clinch with help, and Michael McDowell could only clinch also with help. So Denny Hamlin is the only driver that can clinch a win and enough points to ensure he will not be left out of the playoffs due to not all all winning drivers having a slot available. Hamlin could clinch with 49 points. So that's an interesting scenario there. Those are some scenarios we haven't quite seen before.
1: No, certainly not at the Cup Series level. Now, we talked about this uh, previous experience at Road America, and that could be advantageous for drivers and team when it comes to approaching how to prepare for the debut of a track on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule. Any previous experience or knowledge at the facility can be advantageous to the process. With this weekend's venue, Road America, brand new to the series, drivers with experience at the 4.048-mile course in the NASCAR Xfinity Series might have that slight upper hand. Mentioned the Cup mentioned the Xfinity Series has competed 11 times at Road America from 2010 up to the present. And 28 of the 48 drivers entered in this weekend's NASCAR Cup Series uh, race have competed in the Xfinity Series at Road America. And that's led by 2021 Daytona 500 winner Michael McDowell, Ross Chastain, and Josh Balicki, with uh, five starts at Road America in the Xfinity Series. Uh, Road America is one of the eight tracks this season that have been chosen to hold practice in qualifying. The lone practice for the weekend is scheduled for Saturday at 12:30 from 12.30 to 1.25 p.m. Eastern Time. The qualifying session will be on Sunday prior to the race at 11.05 a.m. Eastern. And two of the 40 NASCAR Cup Series drivers entered into this weekend have at least one pole in the Xfinity Series at Road America. That's A.J. Allmendinger, as he has two in 2013 and 19, And Michael McDowell, who picked one up in 2011. The 11 NASCAR Xfinity Series races at Road America has produced 11 different winners. And four of the NASCAR Cup Series drivers entered into this weekend at Road America have won in the NASCAR Xfinity Series at the 4.048 mile road course. Austin Sindrick did it in 2020, Christopher Bell in 2019, Michael McDowell in 2016, and AJ Allmendinger in 2013. So we might have some road course ringers, if you will, in this weekend's event.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh- This is going to be uh, uh, fun watching the Cup Series race at Road America. Fans have been asking for it, and NASCAR finally conceded and brought them to Road America. So I'm sure they're going to put on a good race. After nearly 65 years, uh, the NASCAR Cup Series again is returning to Road America. For the first time in 65 years, uh, the Cup Series is returning to Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin to compete in the world famous Road America this Sunday, July the 4th. The Jockey Made in America 250 presented by Quick Trip Race marks just the second time that the series uh, in series history that Road America has hosted a cup event. In the early 50s, sports car races were being run on the streets in in and around Elkhart Lake, but the state Legislator banned racing on public roads soon thereafter. A man named Cliff Tucky organized a group of local citizens and leaders of the Chicago Region of Sports Car Club of America, and this group developed plans and sold stock to build a permanent race course. The overall vision of Road America grew out of the dreams of Tufty, a highway engineer who chose 525 acres of Wisconsin farmland outside the village of Elkhart Lake for the track. Now, ground broke for Road America back in April of 1955, and the track's first FCCA national race weekend was held later that same year on September 10th of 55. Again, it's a 4.048-mile track with 14 turns. The track is virtually the same today as it was when it was first laid out. The natural topography of the Glacial Kettle Moraine area was utilized for for the track, sweeping around rolling hills and plunging through ravines, making it one of the most challenging tracks in the world. The first and up until this weekend, the only NASCAR Cup Series race at Road America was on august twelfth, nineteen fifty six. They had an estimated crowd of ten thousand who braved terrible weather to watch the event, and in an unusual ruling, NASCAR limited the cars to just ten gallons of fuels at fuel at the start of the race. The august twelfth, nineteen fifty six race was won by We talked about it earlier, NASCAR Hall of Famer Tim Flock driving the Mercury car uh, for Bill Stropey. Now, Flock led 17 laps of that 63-lap event, making just two pit stops en route to his victory, his fourth victory of the 56th season. So, Flock won with an average speed of 73.858, miles per hour, and he did it in just three hours and 29 minutes and 50 seconds. He won the race by a 17-second margin over the second-place driver, uh, and Bill Strope's car actually finished 1-2 in the race with Flock winning and his teammate Billy Myers finishing in second place. Road America will be the fourth of road courses this year for the NASCAR Cup Series. Now, Joe Gibbs Racing's Christopher Bell won first road course of the season at the Daytona Road Course uh, earlier this year, followed by Hendrick Motorsports driver and 2020 Series champion Chase Elliott, who won at the Circuit of the Americas, and then Elliott's Hendrick Motorsports teammate, Kyle Larson, won at Sonoma Raceway. So uh, who will it be this weekend at Road America, Jay?
1: Well, that's a tough one. Uh, I think you got some great competition. You've got to put Chase Elliott at the top of the list, but Kyle Larson has proved his worth. You can't take out Martin Truex Jr. Uh, Kevin Harvick, I, man, I know that Ted, people are talking about him being one of, one of the favorites. Kyle Busch has been strong lately. And then we've mentioned them. Some of the guys running from the Xfinity Series, A.J. Allmendinger, Austin Sindrick, Michael McDowell. uh, I think you could see a surprise from any one of them. And you can't leave out Kurt Busch. I I don't know. Am I above 10? I mean, how far down do you want me to narrow it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, there's any number of drivers that could win this race uh, because everybody's pretty much on the level playing field in that None of these Cup drivers have ever raced there before, but there are a couple of drivers as we brought up during the Xfinity Series preview uh, that will be racing in the Xfinity race as well as the Cup Series race and even a few Xfinity drivers that will be racing both events as well.
1: Yeah, you know, and I left off Christopher Bell. You you mentioned he picked up the win at the uh, Daytona Road Course still.
3: Uh, I think yeah. so. an
1: event like this opens the door to such a huge possibility range. You know, when we talk about a normal event, you're looking at maybe five different drivers you expect to see, you know, that next group mm-hmm. down then of, well, they're running top five to ten, so it's possible. I think this one really does open it wide open for 10 to 15, 20 teams even that really have a chance at winning.
0: Yes, indeed. It really is amazing. And, you know, we could see the points shake up a little bit, too, here in the Cup Series with this race. So uh, that will make it interesting as well. Let me uh, pull up the points report here for the uh, Cup Series. Um, we got to look at the last well, while, while race you're doing, to get that.
1: While you're doing that... And I don't have I don't have the exact stat line of of his the last number of races, but you don't think of Alex Bowman as a road course uh, racing uh, expert, if you will. But I know on Race Hub they mentioned uh, I believe he's been in the top ten in the last I want to say four. Don't quote me on that, as I'm not sure that's the right number. But with Hendrick Motorsports uh, dominance that you've mentioned. Alex Bowman benefited that because again, road racing isn't necessarily his forte, but is capitalizing on the strong Hendrick Motorsports team that's running right now. So you can't count him out either.
0: Exactly, and he already has the three wins uh, that is going to you know elevate him when the playoffs begin. Uh, But let's go over these points because it is interesting. Uh, There's only there's fewer drivers with zero wins. Than there are drivers with wins, uh, at least one win and a few more with multiple wins. Well, we start at the top, and this may be the last week we get to say this. Denny
1: Hamlin, leading the Cup Series standings, doesn't have any wins but has five stage wins for a total of five playoff points. Now only two points behind him, though, is Kyle Larson riding a, a great streak of finishes four race wins, 12 stage wins, has that enormous 32-point playoff uh, points already built up. Then you got William Byron, one win, two stage wins, uh, seven playoff points. Joey Logano, a win, three stages, a total of eight points. Kyle Busch, another one that's been strong as of late, two wins, three stages, gives in a total of 13 playoff points. Chase Elliott has one win, one stage uh, win, six playoff points. I'll go through eight here to cover the half of the Cup Series. Uh, Martin Truex mentioned him. He's got three wins, four stage wins, nineteen playoff points. I believe that'll put him second. Yep, second highest in playoffs. And then Ryan uh, Ryan Blaney, sorry, one win and three stage wins for a total of eight playoff points. And I'll let Sharon pick up from ninth through sixteenth.
0: Okay, and that would be Kevin Harvick in ninth place. He has no wins yet this season, and unbelievably so, no stage wins either. So he has zero playoff points. Brad Keselowski in tenth uh, does have the one victory. uh, That gives him five points, plus he has one stage win. Alex Bowman, we mentioned him. He's in 11th place right now, but he does have three Race wins, giving him 15 playoff points. Then it's Austin Dillon in 12th place. No wins, no playoff points uh, because there are no stage wins. Tyler Ruddick, same situation. No wins, no playoff points because he has no stage wins. Uh, In 14th place is Kurt Busch, who has the two stage wins for two playoff points. Then it's Chris Buescher in 15th with one Uh, playoff uh, point for one stage win then Christopher Bell occupies that 16th place spot. He does have the runaway swim. Now here's what's interesting here is that Michael McDowell in 17th place does have a victory. So that actually pushes Chris Buescher below the cut line uh, because Michael McDowell has the win. He is in. Uh so it would be Chris Buescher would be the first driver outside looking in, followed by Daniel Suarez, Ricky Stenhouse, Jr., and Bubba Wallace to round out the top 20 drivers. So those drivers pretty much need a win to get in.
1: Yeah, uh, looking at it, you mentioned, okay, Daniel Suarez, an 18th point, uh, 382. You go up to 419 is 18, 19, what, 37 points? But that's to Michael McDowell. So then you got to go up to Christopher Bell, 424, another five points. But he's got the victory. So then you move up to Chris Buescher at 427, three more points. So he is the one they're looking for. But even if they catch him, they got to surpass the next driver up, which is Kurt Busch, at 430 points. So you're looking at 14th point in points and standings in order to make it into the top 16, if you follow that math.
0: I did follow you. with uh, where you're going with that Uh, and uh, it is interesting to see how that all works out Um, and this weekend like we said it's a road course not everybody's good on the road courses some of these guys uh, are really good on the road courses Michael McDowell uh, is a good road course racer and I think I recall uh, saying earlier tonight that he has a win there at uh, Road America at least a poll. I know he has a pole there.
1: No, he does. He does actually have the uh, the victory. And if I'm not mistaken, it was 2017 because I believe that was the race I was at uh, that he was driving for Richard Childress Racing. So uh, when you look at that group, uh, Bell uh, has a victory on the road course. McDowell, Kurt Busch, we know is a good road course racer. Tyler Reddick is the one they talked about on race. I've been 13th in points. That might be the one that they're looking at of uh, needing to have a good weekend. As you got these good road course races behind road course racers behind them trying to fight their way in. Tyler Reddick, 13 mm-hmm. points, is the one that may need to be a little bit worried.
0: Yes, we'll have to definitely keep an eye on those points. We are so excited about the, what's happening in the Cup Series. It is now night uh, 10:01. Eastern Time, and that means it's uh, beyond time for us to get started with our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Joining us for tonight is uh, Andy Lasky as co-host. Welcome to the show, Andy.
4: (laughs) Thank you, Sharon. Might be a record to that I've uh, done three of these in a row, so we'll mark that one down, but I'm happy to be here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we're happy to have you. Also joining us is Michael Orzel. Welcome to the show, Michael. A big,
3: hot, sweaty, stinky, sore, tired, Hello to everybody.
0: <laughs> All righty, uh, we'll take it. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started with our Hot Topic sound off. I got a sneaky suspicion I know what the very first topic is going to be. Andy, I'll let you t- point it out.
4: There was some news this
0: week? Hmm. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, this one, this I got to be honest, I mean, as a fan of over 20 years, this is some of the biggest news I think I've ever heard of and seen. Uh, My initial reaction to it was my jaw dropped, and we'll just get right to it. And just say that uh, Trackhouse, which of course is a brand new team for 2021, has acquired the assets of Chip Ganassi Racing uh, starting with 2022. So obviously big news and really curious to see everyone's reaction to this one.
0: Okay, Mike, uh, you're up. This is probably the biggest
3: surprise since SHR switching to Ford, maybe even bigger than that. This was huge. I don't know that this was on anyone's radar, including Chip Ganassi, who said his team was not for sale until Justin Marks made it an offer he couldn't refuse. Um, this was such a surprise. Uh, as it so happened, I uh, I was I shared a garage stall right next to Tig Willard. He is a jack man for Chip Ganassi Racing. He currently jacks the number 17 – or number 7 of Corey LaJoy with Spire Motorsports, as well as the 16 of Austin Hill and the 51 of Jeremy Clements. Uh, but he is an employee of Chip Ganassi Racing, and he said – he didn't find out about it until yesterday when the press conference happened. So even there wasn't even any kind of internal disclosure to the over the wall pit crew guys, not even like the back office associate kind of types, but you know, the over the wall traveling pit crew types still didn't know this was a thing until, yeah, he got a notification in his group meet. Uh, you know, the, the team has a, a group meet chat and Hey, chips on TV. You might want to turn it on. So he turns it on and that's, that is the announcement. So, huge surprise for everybody involved I guess that's one way to expand your team, and it really makes me wonder what Rick Ware is charging for charters if it's a better business move to just buy a whole two-car team and and call it good from there. So I'm really interested to see where this is going. It seems like Trackhouse has kind of come out of nowhere. They're performing very well. I would say they're they're really exceeding expectations with the 99 car this year. I really expected them to be, you know, a top 20. You know, if they had a top 15, they're having a good day. And they're knocking on the door of the top 10, almost the top 5, every single weekend lately so the the growth and success of Trackhouse has been uh substantial and surprising but not as surprising as them acquiring the nascar assets of chip ganassi racing so
0: wow yeah <laughs> uh jay your thoughts this this isn't even a hot
1: topic for today or this week or this month or this year or next year this is a hot topic that we're going to talk about for years to come. I mean, Chip Ganassi Racing has been a staple for a long time. And I know he said he's not getting out of racing. He's getting out of NASCAR or out of motorsports, but out of NASCAR. Um, and we look back, Trackhouse ho- track was kind of forced into a position to do something. They said they were looking to expand to two teams. Uh, the charter they were leasing for the year got sold earlier when Spire Motorsports so their two charters, one of which they were, or three charters, sorry, one of which they were leasing to, um, track house. So that actually left them without any, uh, that they had to try and find one. And I know it'll spin into another hot topic that I posted up a little, for a little later uh, if we talk about junior motorsports. I'll give the numbers there, but we'll, uh, Looking at this, like I said, it's not just the future of what Trackhouse does. Mike mentioned what they have already done as a first-year team out the gate has been more than impressive. So what they're building on for the future, but also then the loss of Chip Ganassi Racing, uh, we've seen throughout the years some of the drivers that they have brought in and developed and have gone on to other things. Most notably and recently, Kyle Larson. That's where he came from. I think back to Juan Pablo Montoya. Um, So that kind of loss uh, from a team perspective is rather interesting. Some of the sponsors that were carryovers as well between um, two different series, thanks to Chip Ganassi. So I think this has a huge impact on NASCAR as a whole for years down the road.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, Jay. I think that uh, this is going to turn the charter system on its ear. And uh, a lot of people are talking about how it could change uh, the whole it, – it, it, all of a sudden, it's, it's like everybody looks at something, and it looks the same, and it looks the same, and it looks the same, until one person comes up and says, hey, what if we look at it like this? <laughs> and that's what Justin Marks did and uh uh he he came up with an idea, uh, made an offer to Chipkinathy who wasn't even thinking about selling, uh, and as they sat down and talked, uh, it just evolved into this deal. Justin Marks made a deal he couldn't refuse and uh he was uh ready to, to let go. So uh and, and to the point that Mike's making, how nobody knew, I don't think anybody knew what was going on except for Chip Ganassi and Justin Marks. Um, but uh, that track house race team has done really, really well this year, uh, and I see them uh, really building on this. You remember Justin Marks, and I was thinking about this earlier, uh, was part of that h Scott Motorsports with Justin Marks. And uh, I really miss that organization being in NASCAR. But I, with this, this is going to be huge. And uh, I'm, I couldn't be more excited to see him uh, taking, taking uh, that big of a role here and coming out of the box, if you will, with this idea of just buying out the team. Um, and, you know, this could be the beginning of other – people doing the same sort of thing. Uh, And like I say, I think it's going to turn the charter system over on its ear. And uh, people are going to be looking at, at uh, the racing world a little bit differently now that Justin Marcus kind of, Justin Marks has kind of cracked this open. And I think it's a good thing. I'm going to miss Chip Ganassi because I think he's been great for this sport. Uh, I kind of feel bad for, for, um, uh, Ross Chess, because that poor guy, he gets into a really good deal, and something happens just about every single time. So he's kind of a free agent at this point, and uh, he's one of the top drivers, along with Kurt Busch, being considered for track house racing for the 2020. Two season, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I've seen a lot of different scenarios uh, people are putting out on social media, uh, but which one is the one that's actually going to play out? That's what I can't wait to see. So, Andy, what are your thoughts?
2: Well,
4: Trackhouse didn't just buy the assets of any team. They bought the assets of a really good team in NASCAR, and I think that's what yes. makes this so significant. um you know, and, and I think what's been so impressive about this organization is they didn't come into the sport just to ride around 25th every week. They came into the sport to position themselves to try to win races and championships down the road and, and be in this sport a long time. And, and a move certainly like this certainly solidifies the fact that they want to be a part of the sport, not just to participate, but to win. And um, certainly a great situation um for Trackhouse's future. I think that making a move like this tells the world that, hey, we're not just here. We're here to be here for a long time. So, um, And it also, I think, signifies the shift in ownership that we've alluded to this year so far. Um, it's no secret that many of these powerhouse team owners aren't getting any younger and probably nearing that point where they'll either sell their team or, you know, hand it over to somebody else. We've already seen uh, Hendrick Motorsports positioned themselves with Jeff Gordon as the number two guy over there. It's inevitable that it'll probably become Jeff Gordon Motorsports someday um, or certainly operated by Jeff Gordon. And, you know, we've seen and or possibly heard Brad Keselowski doing something similar with Roush, although that has yet to be announced. But the the point is that this is a symbolic move in the sense that ownership is set to make a significant change in NASCAR for that next generation of team owners and certainly a huge move here. And, you know, it's passing of the torch, if you will, but certainly what Justin Marks and uh, his ownership group, along with uh, Ty Norris, you know, they've positioned themselves to to be around a long time. And, And I think that this is a, a historic move. And and like you've already said, this is probably the start of similar moves that we'll see um, possibly in the coming years. But um, I think the sport can use fresh ownership and new perspectives. And this is definitely a really good scenario. Hopefully many of those who work for the existing Chip Ganassi racing team can I guess find employment either with track house and, and bear in mind, Chip Ganassi Racing isn't just going away, it's just the NASCAR operation. They still will continue in motorsports and IMSA and IndyCar as well as other uh, motorsports avenues. And, you know, so hopefully people can find employment either staying in NASCAR or, or staying in another division. But, um, you know, I think that it was probably inevitable that. Chip would get out of it at some point, and the, the timing was right to make this uh, transaction. So just, in, in my mind, incredibly impressive uh, from the standpoint of, of what Trackhouse wants to do. Like I've already said, they're not just here to participate. They're here to compete, and making a move like this certainly solidifies their future for a long time.
0: Okay, Mike, you had team owners on the hot seat a few weeks ago. Uh, this one wasn't even on your radar, was it?
3: No, it really wasn't. I didn't write on Chip Ganassi because Chip's not exactly a spring chicken, but he's not the oldest of the owners that are out there, and there was no indication that he was looking to move away. Um, If I was going to guess which one of the major multi-motorsport discipline team owners was going to step away sooner, it would have been Roger Penske in a heartbeat. Nothing against Roger Penske, but as far as the numbers game goes, Roger's almost 20 years, maybe not 20 years, or 15 years older than Chip off the top of my head. So, you know, Roger's in his mid-80s. Chip is, I believe, in his mid-60s. Don't quote me on that. So there's a lot of, a lot of meat left on that bone there. Um, but seeing Chip step away from NASCAR is, is interesting. And he brought up a really good point about Trackhouse bought a really good team. I don't think and we would talk about it, sure, but I don't think it would have been jaws on the floor if Trackhouse had bought Spire Motorsports or Starcom or even Rick Ware Racing, I don't think it would have been as big of a shock to the world as Trackhouse buying out Chip Ganassi Racing. And don't forget in line with their goal of being a competitive winning team, not only did they buy Chip Ganassi, you've got to assume that they also bought into the association that Chip Ganassi currently has with Hendrick Motorsports. It's already said that they will be running the Hendrick ECR engines. So will Trackhouse remain a RCR-associated team, or will they transition to become a Hendrick Motorsports-associated team, or are we seeing a consolidation of Team Chevy in a more broad sense where you have three major Chevrolet teams. Now, and with this move, I immediately consider Trackhouse to be a major Chevrolet team. The three major Chevrolet teams of Hendrick Motorsports, Richard Childress Racing, and now Trackhouse, will they kind of circle the wagons, the Chevy Bowtie wagons, and now you're going to have a three-way manufacturer cooperation junket, kind of like you have with Fords and Toyotas. Chevy's been a little bit behind the game, but we might be seeing kind of a consolidation here.
0: Okay, Jay.
3: Yeah, Mike's got a great point there, and it does
1: bring up multiple different – Sharon mentioned one of them – the drivers as well as the crewmen uh, that are going to have to shift uh, positions uh, within the sport. Uh, another hot topic, the whether uh, the alliance with Richard Childress Racing shifts over to Hendrick or it becomes one Chevrolet. That's a separate hot topic. So this spawns so many different things. But I think the key element that everybody has kind of mentioned is – that track house, like you said, wasn't there to show up and participate or uh, run 20th. I mean, they, they went after it from the top, you know, buy, buying out chip Ganassi racing instead of another team just to secure a charter. Uh, it was more than that. And they made that very clear from the beginning. And I think their on track performance has, has backed that up, that they're there to race, uh, not run, uh, if, if you will. So, Uh, so many different things that are going to come out of this. I know two of the hot topics we already have listed and I'll go ahead and throw some numbers out there as we get into to one of them down the road. Uh, I want to say when it was, I can't think of it. I lost it. A team that got out Levine family racing that sold a charter. I want to say it was somewhere in the 2 million range. We don't have a proof of any numbers yet, but I'm hearing that, uh, Rick Ware Racing is talking about ten millions per chart or ten million per charter. So that's where we trackhouse looked at. If we're going to get into that kind of range, what's it cost to buy an organization and thus make a better deal? I mean, ultimately a better deal. So that that's something they got to, teams got to look at now. I don't know if we expected that when we talk about the value of a
2: charter. We know it
1: was going up and on the uprise, but I don't know that it. You know, it 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 spiked to the point of it's either even better just to buy out a team, an organization.
0: Yeah, I thought that was uh, really great uh, thinking on the part of Justin Marks, and I will say, Justin Marks, by the way, is a former Chip Ganassi Racing driver, so I think that kind of helped this along. Uh, just the fact that they had that relationship already with Chip Canassi and that they've always seemed to get along really well, uh, for when Justin Marks uh, approached him about the idea, uh, that relationship I think played a huge role in this actually coming to fruition. So, uh, I, I just think that this is, uh, uh, sad about losing Chip Ganassi, uh but really excited for track house racing and uh, where they're headed. I, th- I think uh, um, I-, I can't say enough for him thinking outside of the box in this case. Uh, and-, and that's what it takes in these kinds of situations. He was checking with uh, the charters to see if they could acquire another charter and uh, kind of running into a few roadblocks there. And I think that's part of what caused him to think outside of the box. What other ideas can I do uh, that can help me get that second charter? uh, Because this isn't working. So I think, uh, I think that uh, a lot of kudos has to go to Justin Marks uh, for coming up with this idea. And, um, I'm not going to be surprised if we don't see it happen again. So Andy, you get the final word there.
4: Uh, no particular follow-up, um, just just obviously big news and uh, pretty exciting. So it'll be fun to see what this team does in the future.
0: Okay. And there you have it, the biggest topic of the day, <laughs> of the week, of the year. <laughs> uh Mike? You get to bring up the next topic.
3: Well, Jay's final comment on uh, on when I brought up the Ganassi sale was uh, the word kaboom. And clearly that was the explosion that threw a whole bunch of butts in the air. So let's let's roll right into the silly season discussion of who do we think is going to end up in that second track house car. We're going to assume that Daniel Suarez is going to keep his ride at track house. There's no reason to let him go. He's done very, very well. That should leave one open seat at track house for Kurt Busch, Ross Chastain, or somebody else. And I'm interested to see what everyone else thinks somebody else might be.
0: Okay. Jay, you're first up here.
1: Well, and there is that is one of the other. Like I said, this spawns several hot topics, uh, and I'm trying to pull it up as far as who wrote it. But there is an article I shared there on that. Um, Obviously, you mentioned Ross Chastain. You would think he has to be at the forefront, along with Kurt Busch, as the two current Chip Ganassi. Drivers that would go with the team. However, we've already heard Kurt Busch mentioned as a possibility for Danny Hamlin So we know that he's already been talking to other teams and scenarios Uh, So Ross Chastain and Sharon mentioned this I feel so unfortunate if he is not the one because as she mentioned he has been gotten himself into the right position with the right team At the wrong time as it comes apart Uh, So you'd hate to see it not go to him but another one, and I did find this, it is uh, written by Randy Randy Smith. And I'm not sure which uh, where he writes for, but um, he lists Matt Benedetto. We know that he is one that is up in the air and is looking for a ride. Then you have Ross Chastain as staying with the team as well. And I believe the third one they mention is Kurt Busch. But you also have then Ryan Newman. Uh, who we don't know if is is available or what his situation is, and, and that's just the ones that we know of that are actively looking. You're still talking about possibly bringing up other drivers uh, from the Xfinity series or other So it's really tough to say, but I would have to say Ross Chastain has to be at the forefront for a multitude of reasons.
0: Okay, Andy, your thoughts?
4: Yeah, I tend to agree with Jay. That was really my thought process on this, was that um, Ross Chastain is probably the leading candidate, and it has been said by um, Justin Marks, I believe, yesterday during the press conference that Bush and Chastain would be considered the two leading candidates for the second car and the fact that Daniel Suarez would be back in his present car for next year. No reason to think otherwise. Um, He is kind of their mainstay driver. So, you know, I... It, but I tend to think that if I'm going to pick between Kurt Bush and Ross Chastain, I, I get the feeling that Bush is going to do something different next year um, when you consider the rumors of him going to a second 2311 car or possibly some other avenue. A lot of interest in him, and, and reasonably so, as a, a veteran driver that's still capable of running up front and winning on a weekly basis. Um, so that really leads me to believe, you know, Ross Chastain would be earmarked potentially for that second car. And you would hope so. I mean, you know, he like you said earlier, Sharon, you know, he finally gets this opportunity in a good cup car with Chip Ganassi Racing just to have that dissolve after, you know, his first full season in that car. So um, you would hope that, you know, that they would at least consider him or make him a top candidate. Of course, everything is driven by sponsorship. And I do know um, that when Trackhouse was formed, there would be um, an initiative to to help divers bring diversity into the sport, and I'm sure that includes drivers as they've already done with Daniel sorez But in the in the interim period, um, you'd have to think that bringing in a, a pretty solid talent like Ross Chastain would would be a good move for that team and would make a good second car. So um, I don't. It's hard for me to really put any names on you know, any other names on that car. I mean, just because this is still very fresh and we didn't know up until yesterday that there would even be a second track house hard next year. But, um, I just think given the circumstances and, and given the, the change in team ownership, um, from Ganassi to, to uh track house that, you know, Ross certainly has to be probably the leading candidate for that car.
0: Yeah, and taking into consideration some of the races he's had, even most recently, have been pretty impressive where he's been up there running with the, with the uh, top 10. So uh, I do see Ross Chastain as uh, the, probably the leading candidate. Uh, they've talked about Kurt Bush going to so many different places, I can't even keep track of it anymore. Uh, but I know 2311 is one of those places. And uh, so I I don't know that i necessarily see him going to, to track house. Uh, Matt Benedetto is an interesting scenario. Uh, it, it, you've got uh, Brad Keslowski going over to the numbers, over to Rosh Fenway Racing. Uh, so that means you know we don't know yet if uh, Ryan Newman's going to stay at, at uh, RFR or if he's going to be eligible. And maybe another possible consideration for for that ride. Um, it there's just so many different scenarios uh, that could play out here, but uh, I think Ross Chastain is the guy who really deserves to have that chance to go over to race to uh, uh, track house racing. But the other thing that these guys have to take into, into consideration is uh, the two drivers that are involved. Uh, you know, who's going to be the driver that's going to be really compatible with Daniel Suarez. Not that he's a hard fellow to get along with or anything, but they I'm sure they're going to want somebody who is going to be compatible with Daniel Suarez and everything that he's doing in this sport as well. So um, uh, I don't have a whole lot to add there. I just think that uh, Ross Castane has to be the leading candidate. Mike, what are your thoughts?
3: Well, you guys have already covered Ross Chastain pretty extensively, so I'll try and stay away from him. As far as Matt Benedetto is concerned, I really don't think that's going to happen. I know he was on the list on the article that Jay posted, but my understanding is Chevy is not super hot on Matt Benedetto for whatever reason. Um, he was apparently not on a very long, uh, he was on the long list, but not on the short list for who would potentially go to the 48 when Jimmy Johnson was retiring. And I haven't heard a whole lot of. I guess enthusiasm coming from the Chevy world regarding Matt De Benedetto potentially driving a Chevy car. The other thing working against Matt De Benedetto is he doesn't have any sponsorship associated with him. Now Paul Menard handpicked De Benedetto to replace him in the 21 car at Wood Brothers. So if Paul Menard decides he wants to tie some Menard sponsorship to Matt De Benedetto. Well, that that changes the equation, and he suddenly becomes a lot more marketable to a lot more teams. With Brad Keselowski potentially vacating the number two, I think that changes the dynamic at Team Penske. Yes, it was announced that Matt DiBenedetto would be leaving the 21 with Austin Sindrick taking that car, but that was before Brad Keselowski was supposed to be departing Team Penske. Again, that hasn't been confirmed. It's basically the worst-kept secret in motorsports these days, but... The assumption now is that the two-car will be open at Team Penske with Austin Sindrick moving into the Cup Series to some uh, to-be-determined Team Penske car. Whether he still goes to the 21 or goes to the two or how that works out is yet to be seen. As far as other Cup Series drivers that could potentially go in there, you mentioned Ryan Newman and Kurt Busch. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kurt Busch follow Chip Ganassi to a different form of motorsports. Kurt's another one of those drivers who's expressed interest in driving uh, in other disciplines of racing. Well, he still has some competitive years left in him, and it wouldn't surprise me to see Kurt Busch follow Chip Ganassi and potentially drive uh, for some of Chip's either IndyCar or sports car operations next year instead of being a full-time NASCAR Cup Series driver. Um, Kurt has said he intends to come back to the Cup Series, but again, this was before the, the sale of the team, so there's a whole lot of question marks involved there. Uh, Ryan Newman.
0: Let me interrupt you for just a minute. Uh, We're coming up on that 1030 mark, Mike, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I need to do this. we're, for people who are listening to our show for the first time, uh, we like to do an announcement about this time of the night to let you know we are going off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We will continue our conversation and record that conversation as part of our overtime bonus material that's available on our podcast. What I'll do is I'll go out on... to let everybody know that the podcast is available. And at that point, you can just fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation and that bonus overtime material. Again, we don't want anybody to be caught by surprise Uh, going off the air as we're still in conversation here. Uh, But that's kind of our routine. And, uh, again, we just want to make sure everybody knows. Okay, so with that, Mike, go ahead and finish up your thought. And, again, I apologize for the interruption.
3: Well, now I know how it feels. You usually get Jay with that one, but it just happened to be me this time. Um, Anyway, (laughs) like I was saying, regarding regarding Ryan Newman – I hate to say it, but I think this may be the end of the road for Ryan Newman, at least in terms of being in a top-tier Cup Series car. Um, He's been with Roush Fenway Racing for several years now. He came back from injury. That was great to see. But he really hasn't been producing a lot in the sixth car, and I really, it doesn't seem to be a trajectory that takes him to producing very well in that sixth car. So if I was going to guess who would be out at Roush Fenway and out of the Cup Series – I've got to pick Ryan Newman for that one. Uh, other potentials for Xfinity drivers to move up, though, look at the RCR-associated Xfinity drivers. You've got Myatt Snyder, um, who has been driving in the uh, the 21 car for Richard Childress Racing, as well as Brett Moffitt, who has a Truck Series championship, as well as uh, several races in the Xfinity Series, and Kaz Grala, as well as another developing, promising talent, who's dabbled in the Cup Series, but haven't really found a full-time home. And I think there's a lot of potential, especially when it comes to Kaz Grala, to move into the Cup Series. And the, the way Trackhouse is, it almost seems like, yes, a veteran driver would be good to plug in there or a developing driver like Ross Chastain. But... Bringing up a driver who doesn't really have a lot of Cup Series experience, especially frontline Cup Series experience like a Kaz Gralla or a Myatt Snyder, it kind of gives Trackhouse a blank slate to further develop their brand around a driver who's not currently associated with anybody else, any other team, any other number, except for Trackhouse Racing. So some guys to potentially look at who we're not really talking about right now.
0: Okay, Jay.
1: Well, if I'm going to follow Mike down that rabbit hole, then the name I would have to kick up would be Josh Berry. Uh, you know, there's a couple that we talk about needing to stay in the Xfinity Series and get more experience. Depending on what all shakes out with junior motorsports, uh, there may be some people left out in the wind there when you talk about it. So I think Josh Berry is already kind of one of those with the split time with Sam Mayer, if they're looking to develop now Sam Mayer. Uh I know Noah Gregson's name comes up. I'm just not sure. When I look at Daniel Suarez and what he has done this year has been phenomenal, I think he is really getting his feet under him and setting himself up as a top-notch Cup driver. Could he still benefit from a more veteran driver being on the team? Most certainly. But it also could be that they go to a direction of immediately setting themselves up for the future long-term. You talk about the young driver lineup that Hendrick Motorsports has and how they're set. Trackhouse may go that way immediately and take one of these guys such as uh, Josh Berry that you see him get different starts with different teams but never be able to maintain a long-term situation. So, And the other one, Matty Benedetto, that one kind of uh, still baffles me, as he is one that has proven himself uh, year in and year out. Uh, Kind of put him in the same position as Ross Chastain. He just can't ever get in the right situation long term. Now, I do think, uh, I believe that if Penske does somehow let him go, uh, that that's a mistake. Uh, I I expressed that with uh, the moving of Austin Sindrick up uh, in replace of him. It was unfortunate, felt he would get a ride. I, I don't know about the connection of the anti-Chevrolet feeling towards him that Mike alluded to, but he does seem very happy and content within the Ford organization. So I think that Penske uh, remains with the three-car team, either moving Di Benedetto into the number two itself or Sindrick moving into the number two and Di Benedetto staying um the, uh, in the 21 for the Wood Brothers, so that will be interesting. But I think that's kind of where Dean Benedetto stays. So I think we kind of put his name not at, not at the bottom of the list, but maybe not as uh, prevalent as some of the others, such as Chastain.
0: Okay, Andy? Yeah, you
4: know, it's really hard to, to say what's going to happen with all these scenarios. I mean, that's the beauty of Philly season, and I think there's a, there's a lot of moving parts that we just don't know yet. I, I do think there'll be a lot of things announced in the coming week. Like there always is summertime's always, um, you know, quite busy, but um, you know, talking specifically about the track house team, you know, I, I really feel like Chastain's probably the leading candidate there. I would agree with uh, Mike's take on Ryan Newman that, you know, the end of the line is, is probably here. Um, you know, I, I I don't know that Ryan Newman has put himself in position to go to another top tier team. He's, you know, driven for a lot of them in his career and he's had a really good career, but you know, eventually the time runs out and I'm afraid that that time is now. Um, aside from that, yeah, as far as Maddie D goes, um, really hard to say there's a lot of moving parts there too with with the two car and and, you know i think whatever happens with that two car directly impacts the 21 car so it's just um still a lot to be determined without a doubt um you know but um there's a lot of talented drivers and you spoke about some really you know high prospects in the xfinity series but i would also agree with um a take that uh, Mike has either said on the show or we've talked about in our group chats is aside from Cindric, I don't really know that there's anyone else that's really cup ready in the Xfinity series. You know, I think that a a lot of those drivers that are presently in the Xfinity series need more Xfinity series seat time. Uh, That's just my own opinion and feel free to disagree (laughs) any of you, but Um, I don't know that anyone's really stood out to me. And that's, you know, aside from maybe Ty Gibbs, but even Ty needs at least one or two full Xfinity seasons. I feel like before you can throw him in a cup car, because as we all know, uh, the cup series is far more competitive than meets the eye. So we've seen that with so many Xfinity series drivers that have moved up in the last several years, that when they get to cup, they realize just how difficult that it is. So, um, I don't know. I don't really see anyone being promoted Um, aside from maybe a John Hunter Niemicek, which is a name that, you know, rightfully so is being thrown around. Um, You know, he's absolutely lighting the truck series on fire, proving that the move to go from a mid tier cup car to a top tier truck was the right decision uh, to remain relevant in the sport and, and to win races and be competitive. And, um, having had prior cup experience, you know, you know, if I'm going to look at the two guys that aren't in cup currently that should be elevated, it's going to have to be Austin Syndrick and probably John Hunter. But aside from that, really hard to say, but John Hunter's name is probably the most intriguing just from a standpoint of, you know, you could see him jump into a, a good cup car next year. And it, it really wouldn't surprise me. I think that he's done a lot to, um, his worth, if you will. So it'll be curious to see what does actually come to fruition, um, but um, certainly a lot of talented drivers that could take over, you know, any of these rides.
0: Yes, indeed. I, I still think that Ross Gaskin has to be the leading candidate. Um, Josh Berry is an, an interesting idea, uh, as is done Hunter Nemechek. Um, the thing, Josh Berry is the one that I think makes a lot of sense to me, uh, from the sense that he's still in the Chevrolet camp. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek, uh, probably wouldn't have any issue with switching manufacturers. I do think somebody like, uh, uh, the whole Team Penske thing that you're talking about, I think those drivers would have a problem moving over to Chevrolet from Ford. Um, I don't know why I feel that way. I just kind of feel like they would have a problem with it. So I don't necessarily see that, uh, developing. Uh, Matt DiBenedetto probably has, uh, done a, a number of different manufacturers already. So maybe that's not that big of a deal, but I think he really likes it at Wood Brothers and he's done a lot at Wood Brothers, uh, getting them into the playoffs. So I, I still think that uh, uh, Ross Chastain is the leading candidate, with maybe Josh Berry as a as a close second, uh, and John Hunter Nemechek as a close third. So <laughs> that's where I would be at. So, Mike, your follow-up.
3: Well, you talk about John Hunter Nemechek, and he's doing extremely well in the Truck Series, and he's absolutely writing a very strong resume to move into the Cup Series. I don't think Toyota will ever let John Hunter go, or at least not for next year. Um, There may be a bit of a bidding war, and I'm not sure what John Hunter's contract situation is. If it's even an option for him to leave Toyota to go to race for anybody other than Toyota Trackhouse or otherwise, so he, you know, we're throwing his name out there like he's in play. He may not be in play at all based on contractual obligations to Toyota or Joe Gibbs Racing via Kyle Busch Motorsports. We just don't know. Um, What what the financial situation of Trackhouse is, especially after presumably a fairly large cash outlay to purchase uh, Chip Ganassi Racing, I'm not sure what kind of a position that they're in to go and bid and, and buy a phenomenal driver, but I think of another bargain bin driver that's out there who has greatly exceeded the capability of his equipment, and we haven't mentioned his name. Eric Jones. He's currently driving a Chevrolet. There's very little doubt that Jones' talent and skill level currently exceed the capability of the 43 car that he's currently driving. So he's another potential move into a trackhouse car, or at least is in play. Again, I don't know what the contract situation is with Eric Jones that's out there. I agree with everybody. I think Ross Chastain is and should be the uh, the leading candidate for that second trackhouse car, but they've made it abundantly clear that nobody is locked into that car beyond Daniel Suarez in the first track house car. So if anything else, I would say the thing Ross Chastain needs to do right now, starting, well, starting weeks ago, but really from this moment forward, Ross Chastain is auditioning. He's got the advantage of already being in that car. So having that opportunity to show what he can do in that equipment is really going to be what's going to make or break his case of whether he should stay in that equipment. And if Ross continues the trajectory that he's on, where he started the year a little slow, but has really picked up the pace over the past month to six weeks, I think he makes himself a very strong candidate for that car. However, if he starts driving like he did at the beginning of the season all over again, where he's back in the 20s again, I think that hurts his case for staying in that car. He's probably the most in control of his future there but it's all going to come down to how well he does in the remaining half of the season that we got ahead of us.
0: Okay. Uh, Jay, we're ready to move on to the next topic. What's it going to be?
1: Well, this still ties into, as I said, uh, the the one topic (laughs) spawned the other ones. Uh, This comes from Auto Week and it's uh, fairly short so I actually kind of quickly read everything. Uh, it says, Dale Earnhardt Jr. says cost of charter is Junior Motorsports only roadblock to a move to Cup. If the next-gen car pr- pr- proves to be as financially successful as NASCAR wants it to be, the new Cup Series car will ultimately require significant uh, retooling of how the Xfinity and Camping World Truck Series divisions operate. Now that's an insert- assertion from Dale Earnhardt Jr. who has explored entering the Cup se- Series next season but has been unable to secure an ownership charter that would permit junior motorsports entry into all 36 races while also providing financial benefits not only or not available to those who race without one. Uh, The only, the charter is the only roadblock Earnhardt said on Wednesday during an appearance on Sirius XM radio. I mean, the way they are talking about this new car, it's going to be more expensive to be in the Xfinity series than it would be in the cup series. And he's also quoted as saying, is hearing colleagues spent $10 million apiece on each of those charters. Don't know if that's true or not, Earnhardt said on his Dale Jr. Po- download podcast. That's out of my range. I'll tell you that junior motorsports won't be racing in the NASCAR Cup Series if that's what a charter is going for. I'm just being honest. With that said, Earnhardt praised the ownership, ownership charter model of doing what it was designed to do, and that the system providing Cup Series team owners value for when and if they decide to sell.
0: Okay, so Andy, you're up on this one.
1: Yeah, obviously a
4: multi-part uh, topic here for sure. Um, I do find the comments interesting from Dale Jr. That the price of the ch- the going price for the charters, which of course is driven up by the demand of of teams wanting to enter the sport. Um, but it's interesting for someone with his financial backing and stature to say that it's too expensive. Um, I think says quite a bit when, when you consider, you know, you would think he'd have the ability to purchase a charter for even 10 million, but you know, Dale jr probably recognizes the fact that they're just plain not worth that much. And maybe he's willing to wait things out a year or two. Um, you know, but I did certainly find those comments interesting that, that, um, the going price of charters generally speaking is, um, you know, outpricing even someone like, uh, like Dale Earnhardt Jr and JR motorsports who you'd have to believe have the funding capable to do just that. But the other part of the question, which I found to be a bit intriguing is the fact that the cup cars will eventually be cheaper to operate than the Xfinity or, or trucks, which, um, means the business model of the Xfinity series and truck series is going to have to change um or you're going to have teams become uh no longer interested in running in those series and you know I've come to really enjoy the Xfinity series in particular I feel like it's the best on-track product consistently on a weekly basis and I would certainly like to see some depth in that series with good owners and, and good cars so I certainly hope that um You know, teams can find a way to continue to compete because Xfinity Series and and Truck Series racing is a lot of fun. Um, And certainly with the surplus of old Cup cars that could easily be converted into Xfinity cars, you would hope that teams can stay viable in that series for years to come. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. I I do think with regards to the the next-gen Cup car, uh, it's not going to be cheap right away. I think when you have to refleet uh, entire organizations going into next year is going to be pretty expensive, but I guess the whole design of the car and its intended purpose is that it will be cheaper down the road. So, uh, be curious to see if it really is, in fact, cheaper or not. But, uh, um, certainly interesting comments from Dale Jr., and hopefully, um, you know, personally, I'd like to see them get into the cup series. I think to have another player um, that would be competitive and a good quality team would be fun, but um, certainly a lot of interest um, in joining the Cup Series. um, Obviously, the track house expansion and then the big news about colleague racing uh, a week or so ago um, definitely means the Cup Series is headed in a a very competitive direction, probably more so than we've seen in uh, quite some time as far
3: as depth in, in the Cup Series.
0: Okay, Mike. Well,
3: I don't think that Jalen Hurd Jr. is financially strapped. I'm pretty sure he could write a check for 10 or even $20 million right now if he wanted to, and if he felt the charters were of that that valuation. I think I agree with the sentiment that what he's really saying is he believes the charters are currently overpriced for what they're worth. Maybe that's true, maybe it's not. But I think right now we're we're at a bit of a bottleneck in supply in that there's only so many charters, and with the new car – there's a lot of new teams trying to get into the Cup Series, and that's creating maybe a bubble in terms of the price of the charters. Uh, it could very well be in a year or two down the road that there's a, a drop in the price in those charters. For all we know, you know Trackhouse or colleague racing or somebody else could be getting in way over their head and they end up getting into something that they're don't feel that they not capable of doing or don't feel that they're, they're getting a return on their investment, and now suddenly those charters that just went for $10 million or, or whatever the equivalent value that Justin Marks paid for the two Ganassi charters, well, maybe they're on the market for a lot cheaper than that, and Dale Earnhardt's able to pick them up for a lot cheaper and enter D, uh, uh, Junior Motorsports into the Cup Series level in another year or two if that charter market goes lower. With regard to his statement that it's going to be cheaper to run the, uh, the Cup Series than the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series, uh, I don't believe it. I think that the, there's, there's two things that NASCAR Cup Series teams are really, really good at. They're really, really good at building fast race cars, and they're even better at spending money. And if they've got a dollar, they're going to spend two of them. So, yeah, maybe to buy or build a, a, a car capable and legal of running in the NASCAR Cup Series – will be cheaper, but in terms of being competitive in the NASCAR Cup Series, I don't believe that it's ever going to be cheaper than in the Xfinity Series just by virtue of – these mega teams like Hendrick Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing, Team Penske, they're going to throw a lot of money at that car. And even if the hardware isn't that expensive, they're just going to move that money over to buying more engineers or more whatever that these teams spend their money on. So the price of being—the price of admission to the Cup Series may come down, but the price of victory lane is not going to come
0: down any, I think. Okay. Um, believe it or not, I, I agree with Mike in that I don't really buy it either that the, uh, truck series is, uh, going to be, I mean, sorry, that the Xfinity series is more expensive than the cup series. My reasoning though is that, uh, they, they did some things in the Xfinity series a few years back in order to make it less expensive and easier for teams to come in. And that was the composite body. That's a huge difference between the Cup Series and the Xfinity Series. And uh, I do think that uh, uh, it is not uh, – the Xfinity Series is still a lot cheaper than the Cup Series. Um, As far as uh, uh, the other part of this, I'm going to kind of uh, save my comments for the follow-up round and uh, kind of go from here. So, Jay, you can. I want to hear what you have to say.
2: Well,
1: I think just talking about the charter system. Uh, you know, Junior said he likes what what the system has done and what it's designed to do. Give a team owner value for when they get out. However, right now, as Mike put it, right now it's a matter of, and like any stock, you want to buy buy low and sell high we're at that point these teams that have them right now we're able to buy low they're going to sell them high for junior to come in and buy at a high rate of say 10 million even if he gets one or two down the road when he opts to get out is he going to get that same value back and if you're buying the 10 million dollar charter just to get in then where does that put you of for finances as far as your team if you're having to spend it on the charter versus what you can spend on the team and I think that's where the concern comes in when you look at them though down the road of the cup series being cheaper than the Xfinity Sharon mentioned it that they are looking at the other series as far as how to keep the cost down on them uh, whether or not that'll be the case of them being more expensive than the cup series I'm with Sharon. I don't know if I see that happening, but again, I don't know all the numbers, nor do we officially know the actual numbers of what Levine Family Racing sold theirs for two years ago, or yeah, two years ago, which Denny Hamlin's uh, 2311 team bought. I take that back. Theirs might have come from the Germain Racing. Um, but the value has gone up, and I understand that, but it gets to the point of then, is it outpricing itself? And, again, my concern comes back to that if you have this many interested at the level, does it need to change a little bit um, as far as that? Uh, again, you don't want to see it where teams won't come in and race because they can't afford to buy a charter to get in. And I, I have to go back to uh, the dirt track uh, racing. When a series comes in, the 20, or in this case, 24 fastest cars get in there are some weekly racers that are going for the points championship that get packed up and sent home on a nightly basis, but that's what provides some of the excitement to it. So uh, I don't know where NASCAR can balance and find that line. Uh, The charter system did work, but I think we're at a point now where it may be outdoing itself. Uh, And that's my concern is that when it gets to that point and you have 36 top teams that have bought up these charters and are using them that still then leaves any new team trying to come in four spots of racing for open spots if you will Uh, i think one of the things nascar may want to look at is backing up uh to years past of at the cup series level anyway maybe opening it up to 43 spots so now you have seven spots where open teams can come in uh, that they may need to look at expanding that back to that if they're really concerned about that so Um, I had another thought, and it appears to have slipped out of my mind, so I'm going (laughs)
3: to let it go for now.
0: Okay. Andy, you got kicked off, so, Mike, I'm going to come to you next.
3: I think all eyes are really going to be on Collie Gracing and Trackhouse. Those are the two really ambitious incoming teams who have spent a lot of money on charters, and I think there's going to be a lot of prospective team owners, Dale Earnhardt and others, who are going to really watch those two teams who – they really they, – they, they bought the farm. You know, they, they bought everything they, they possibly needed and split, spent a lot of money to buy their way into the NASCAR Cup Series. And I think prospective team owners are really going to watch those two new teams in the Cup Series and see if it looks like they're getting a valid return on their investment. Are they able to build a strong organization? Like Jay said, they spent a lot of their capital on those charters. I don't know what they've got left in the bank. Obviously, none of us are privy to those numbers. But you know, if I've got a hundred million dollars and I spend twenty of it, well, now I've only got eighty left. But if I only spent five of it, well, now I got ninety-five left. I, I, I can I can do basic math like that. So if uh, if they spent that much capital on those charters. Does it put them in kind of a resource deficit and are they able to still perform at the level they need to in order to get return on their investment? I don't know. But I think it's something that a lot of prospective team owners are going to watch very closely. And I really think that's going to be what dictates the value of these charters in the upcoming couple of years.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, let's keep in mind that that's, this is the whole reason why uh, Justin Marks did what he did and bought a team. He was able to get two charters uh, by buying that team. Uh, And apparently it was less expensive for him to do that than to buy the charter. So that's just proof to me another reason why the Cup Series is more expensive to operate than the Xfinity Series. Um, I I agree with a lot of the comments that Jay made that uh, these guys are kind of outdoing themselves a little bit. Uh, to a point that uh, something's got to give somewhere, and uh, I think Justin March just kind of pointed out where that give could be um, if if you have that private conversation with a team owner and you hit them at the right time, uh you can probably pick up two chargers for a lot less um, so i i uh, I don't necessarily agree with the comments from Dale Earnhardt. Uh, I'm not quite sure where he's coming from with that. Uh, He knows how expensive those charters are. He's saying that that's why he's not able to get into Cup is because the expense of the charters. Uh, So in a way, to me, it's a little bit contradictory. Justin Marks knows how much those charters are going for and what they're asking for. Uh, those these guys are gonna to have to come down on their asking price, I think, at some point if they if they really expect to sell those charters. Uh, because these guys are gonna find another way around it, uh, if uh if they don't. So uh, I I do think that right now the Cup series is more expensive and uh I do think that uh the charter system uh, has got to give somewhere if they want to continue with a charter system. Um, so those are my my last words on it. Jay, what are your final words?
1: Well, I found that train of thought back and I had it online and you threw that switch that uh, steered it over to your side there. Uh, you pointed out that, that we're talking about that of, of buying the charter. And Justin Marks went, okay, I'll do better than that. I'll buy a team, uh, which includes the charter. So, yeah, that's where I think the direction obviously uh, is going to get steered of if Junior Motorsports wants to look at that. Unfortunately, it might be buying up a – Mike mentioned it earlier – buying up a team such as Spire Motorsports or uh, BJ McLeod, Rick Ware Racing – from that aspect of they don't necessarily need to buy it to get the team itself. They would do it for the charter itself as they have already set themselves up with junior motorsports. But th- at least in the short term, that might be the more prudent the financial decision, uh, than trying to find or paying the price for the charter itself. So have to see how that plays out. Uh, Sharon just said it I think that now NASCAR is going to be put in a position To reevaluate how they do the charter system Um, Look at it I mentioned expanding the field At least opening up a few more spots So that teams that don't have a charter Still feel that if they want to go cup racing And make a run at all 36 races Although they're not locked in There's a little more leeway than just four spots open That they can attempt to get each And the other thing that I think then comes into play taking it to another topic, but just the thought process is next year, if we go back to open qualifying versus locking them in with no qualifying, we saw that happen with Jordan Anderson racing in the Xfinity series because mm-hmm. they missed Daytona and they weren't able to walk themselves in under the, the point system. They put them in a bind where they had to miss a few races until they got to qualifying again. I think there is another huge argument to be made for open qualifying versus the the lockdown in the owner points or metric system
0: yeah one one other additional comment here i'm going to go back on what i said earlier um not what i said about this but about jay having the final word um let's keep in mind that justin marks is the guy who hit pay dirt on this He's able to get a team like Chip Ganassi Racing, where you're talking about other uh, other teams to be bought are not near the caliber of what Chip Ganassi Racing is. So uh, it's going to be hard for other teams to kind of follow and do exactly what Justin Marks did in order to get the charters. Uh, I, I think he's the one who hit the pay dirt at the right time and with the right guy at the right time, you know, right situation. So I don't know if other teams are going to be able to do exactly what Justin Marks did, uh, possibly with RCR racing, but I don't see that happening either because he's got family members that are in line uh, to take that over. So uh, just, just a, a, an additional comment there that we're all talking about other teams doing what Justin Marks did, but I think he hit the iron while it was hot and he's got the best deal uh, that's out there. So just just a, a thought there. Okay. Um, let's see, Andy's not here. So, Mike, did you have any other hot topics?
3: Well, it's already the top of the hour. Do you want to keep going down the road, or do you want to save them for, for no. the next show?
0: No, thank you. I'm losing track of time because I'm so deep in my thoughts here. So thank you. Uh, no, I think we're ready to call tonight here, uh, and whatever we've got left over, we'll have to save it for uh, the next show. Speaking of which, uh, we are going to be doing the show next week on Tuesday night. Uh, Monday is a uh, holiday for a lot of people who are working, and uh, so we're not going to do the show Monday night. We'll be on Tuesday night instead uh, with our Hot Topics as well as our review of the weekend of racing. So just a heads up there. And, uh, with that, we'll go ahead and start the round table. Uh, starting with Mike.
3: That's Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter, Mike double underscore. O on Reddit, uh, driving home from Charlotte tomorrow. So I don't know what I'm going to be doing next. That's, That's step one. I got to survive driving down I 85 South. And that is an absolute nightmare between Charlotte and Atlanta on I 85. So, uh, Whatever prayer beads, shekels, tea leaves, or whatever else you use to wish me luck, please, uh, get, get shaken on them and, and wish me the best, especially since the cruise control of my truck has decided to not work as well. Um, oh, geez. I know. I completely lost my train of thought again. It, it seems to be happening a lot. Anyway. Um, shouldn't i'm probably going to miss the next two maybe three shows due to work but i'll keep you posted what i'm going to be up and i guess one of us needs to start writing about this team owner situation so we'll sort it out maybe i'll be the guy i haven't really produced anything meaningful in the writing front lately so hey maybe maybe i'll start cutting an article for you if i survive the drive home tomorrow
0: sounds good
3: okay all right well i do know what i'm
1: doing for the weekend already uh why not Motorsports park the house a hook? Uh, going to go see a fellow host. Uh, Chris Crichton's been on here a couple of times. I haven't seen him in a while, so I'll get to chat with him, do some work for the Mississippi street stock series. But I promise you this Sharon, I will not leave Saturday until I have the Michael McDowell article to you. <laughs> the weather shifted on me and I ended up uh, not having the day off yesterday or Tuesday. So it is not to you yet. Um, but I will have it to you before I leave Saturday. I promise that.
0: Okay, sounds good. Unfortunately, I'm going to be on you the can't. road all day, Friday and Saturday, so I may not be able to get to it until uh, probably Monday when I return back. So just uh, FYI on that. Did you have anything more you wanted to say, Jay? uh oh did, I lose Jay? Did we lose Jay? In the last <laughs> second we lost him. And here he was he was talking a big
3: game that he didn't get cut off and he gone.
0: And now he's gone. Okay, well I am Bamper Racing site on Twitter, Bamper Racing Blog and Radio elsewhere, including Bamfor Racing dot com, where you can see Jay's and Michael's uh, articles when they uh, come up online next week. And uh Uh, and then we also had, uh, Sam's recap from the races at Pocono and, uh, and, uh, I think I've got some, uh, something out there from, uh, Owen on his color ranking. I have to look and see about that. I haven't seen any notes from him, but, uh, hopefully that's there as well. Uh, again, we'll be on next Tuesday night for our review show. So watch for us then, and then we'll be back here next Thursday night for the preview of the next weekend of racing. So uh, a big thanks to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you. And to our for Racing crew, uh, for all that you guys do, you're always appreciated. And uh, once again, Hot Topics was a fun conversation here tonight, and uh, I look forward to the next one. So uh, thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll see you on the na- on the next go around. We'll see you on the other side. We'll call in the night Good night. night.